Oh, you can't say that. You can't do that. You can't go there. You can't go to that website, George. George, you can't enforce the heteronormative, man. <laughs> Get through and it, George. Course, and, and of course, people are going to say, oh, that could happen. I'm like, really? Really? It, you you don't see any of that happening now. Um, yeah, but you know what? George got a little cocky, man. See, he wrote that letter. That letter in the <laughs> mailbox. You know, I mean, hey, check that. It's a fun read, guy. I literally just read it now. I just read it. Just uh, as soon as you posted, I just read it. Over on um, Forney's site? Yeah, terrahousemag.com. Or you just follow It's a link to it's on uh, TJ's Twitter. Link directly to it. Directly oh, I've, been, to I've, been, I've been busy as hell today. I have not. Oh, we just posted it. I just read it now. It was oh, only okay. okay. All right. I got to log out of everything here. Was George a reference to the story? Or is George from like 2001 A Space Odyssey where the, the machine doesn't want it to do what it wants? No, it was, it, that's the name of the protagonist in the short story. Oh, okay. And the yeah, nemesis, that, the nemesis is Ari, who is the stands for the collective. What, what is it? What, where'd you come up with Ari? A R I. Um, I was just thinking. So there's Suri, there's Alexa, there's Cortana. So I was thinking, okay, I need to come up with a different one. I think it's a reference to a Greek, um, Greek goddess or something like that, or Greek god. I can't remember. But I was just trying to come up with a name that was eerily similar. So it would sound familiar to people. I was really with that story. I was trying to make it sound way too close to what we see now to where people no, it, kinda... that was a good name. Cause I was picturing like that red blinking dot, you know, with that, when those AI speak to you, you know, like that's, right. the, you know, in, in the sci-fi movies. So no, Ari's good. I like it. You could do more with that story. Actually, you could, you could, you could spin off. Uh, you, could, you could write a novel based on that shit. Well, that's actually what's funny is um, now that you mention it, that's part of my, my thought with doing short stories um, for the site is, is writing this stuff. And then if there's enough interest uh, to do a, you know, people want me to do a novel, I'm willing to do that. But I'm, I'm at the point in my writing career where the, the amount of time and effort it takes to write a novel is just too much for me. And especially if it's not going to sell well. So people, if there's the demand already in advance, then I'll go, I'll, I, and that's partly what I think of when I write some of these short stories is, could I make this into a, uh, maybe even a novella or something a little bit longer um, and if the answer is yes, then that's great because then I can go back to it. But this is almost just the starting point um, for those if, if they turned out to be ones. Yeah. Also, you know, I mean, I got a lot of shit to read because I got too many fucking friends who write. So have a heart. <laughs> Don't be writing all these fucking books. Oh. Then I got to fucking read them, man. I'll yeah, keep them short. Fuck that Ann Sturzinger gal. We don't want to. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm actually really one of the things that I'm working hard to do now is just keep things short. And if I do any books in the future, uh, besides just editing the books that I have now, my biggest goal is keeping them very short because people just are they're one, they're too visually stimulated. They don't need a lot of description in the book a whole lot. And then also people's attention spans are so short that you don't, you can't put in a lot of exposition at all or explanation into what's going on. You just got to keep it short. Hey, RJ, you're kind of the most professional author we have here in our in our group, you know, aside from we all write, but it wasn't our profession. But have you seen any research that younger people are reading less? I know there's research that attention spans are going down, but I, I mean, I, I have ideas for books that would be targeted towards Gen Z. And I'm wondering, is it even worth the bother right at this point? Um, it's I haven't done any research, but I think what it is, is if you're going if you're a first time or an unknown their attention spans can be much shorter. If there are, if it's somebody that everybody knows, like if you're writing uh, Clive Cussler or if it's the guy who wrote Game of Thrones or if it's some fantasy 
author, whatever, they can write for whatever reason, 800 page books uh, and people will read them and they'll go through the whole thing. But I also think it's uh, the the way that it's written where it's very light reading. So you can kind of skim over the prose a little bit and skip a few pages and still not lose anything. It's almost, I don't want to say a buffet, but you don't have to follow every single thing that's going on um, in the story to, because you get the general, the just, I think also the more cliche a book is, the less you need to read the whole thing or you can skim through it. Um, it's when the book is really different, then you got to follow it more closely. But so you're saying regardless of age, I'm, I'm just really curious about Gen Z. Like, I mean, is, is it even worth bothering writing anything for them? And maybe, maybe you haven't seen any statistics or there's none, no research, but I, I don't, Aaron, I don't think there, I, I know people in general are reading less, but mm-hmm. uh I believe uh, I, I just noticed David Cole was saying that how you know his publisher he was feeling bad for them because I think they they gave him more in the advance and they made on the book and it's just that people just are not reading stuff like that people are not reading nonfiction I guess maybe people are reading fiction um, but you you really got to get um, uh, you really got to target the audience you know you got to be very focused like a fucking laser beam so it's really about the marketing you can't just generalize and say oh well this generation doesn't read no you gotta you gotta really find a way to speak to them hmm. yeah it's it's all about for example if you read some of these older books where you have the author spending the first 30 pages not getting to the point of the book uh, I, I can't remember who it was, but it was some turn of the century, 1800s author. Well, that's Ann Sturzinger, of course. 1800s <laughs> author never gets to the point. That's <laughs> Kidding, Ann. <laughs> no, I, I know the kind of book you're talking about. Even when I was like, you know, be- before I did a bunch of drugs and ruined my attention span, I would pick up one of those old books and just skip through the first five pages of like, and this is what the landscape looked like from the other window of their house. Right. Did, did you, have you guys ever read Anne Rice? And I'm not recommending you do, but I mean, if, if no. you had to, if you were stuck on a plane, that fucking bitch will go on for 50 pages and not a fucking thing will happen. It'll take 50 pages for her to, to describe about how vampires don't drink, but they like having hot drinks in front of them. So they put their hands <laughs> over. I swear to fucking Christ. I mean, this cunt would just go on and never, nothing would fucking happen. I think the, the one who beats her, though, would be uh, Jane Austen. Jane Austen, without question, would uh, say so little in so many pages. Uh, oh, I haven't read. Well, that's I hadn't read that. I hadn't read that bitch since high school. So I don't <laughs> wait. wait <laughs> which was the one who wrote Middlemarch? That's a good question. I don't remember. I, 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 I had the book a long Danielle time ago. Daniel Steele or Daniel Reeves or something. No, it's it's older than that. It, it's it's this big thick book that I yeah I had it forever before I actually read it. And once you actually get into it, it's a fairly entertaining book but yeah the first like 30 pages are just and they had spoons in their kitchen and the spoons were from their grandmother and just it just goes on and on and on okay like all right now like, answer me this literary experts why do i catch so much fucking flack for hating Rian and rand because she takes a long ass time to get to her goddamn points too. Uh, I, yeah. I totally agree i think that uh and rand I, I this is just my personal thoughts on it i know a lot of people on the right love her. Um, I, I enjoy her philosophy in terms of reading it. I don't know. Obviously, I'm not an objectivist. I don't agree with everything she says, but it's much easier to read her philosophy. I feel like her a lot of her novels, maybe not the first one, but a lot of the other ones were just platforms for her to discuss her her politics. Exactly. And, and that's that's done, what it was. It's it, like it, she it's... copied and pasted her a rant and posted it in for John Gall's speech. It's a 40-page speech. 
Like well, her speech, the speech, John Galt's speech is longer than some books. Um, well, all of, all so, of uh, Laura Southern's book, yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I'm just thinking. So there was that movie. Uh, I think it was Gary Cooper. They were doing the Fountainhead, and she wanted his entire speech in the book to be said on film. And I think it's the longest speech recorded for any Hollywood film. But it's it's her just not. I, I I'm trying to think of how to describe someone whose thoughts are like that somebody who uh thinks that somebody who's completely uninterested in what she has to say is going to subject themselves to uh (laughs) sermonizing for that long this this 40 pitch as if as if people are going to stop everything they do if you did that nowadays people would listen to you for about five seconds and then they'd go back to doing what they're doing well these people need editors right i mean that's what you're really saying basically authors get popular enough and they tell their editors to fuck off, and then all of a sudden their books are a thousand pages long. I mean, that's I mean that's what happens. These people, it's like it's even like uh, George Lucas. I mean, he needed someone to tell him, um, no, that's what he needed for the for the prequel trilogy. He needed I wish they a had ended up yes man. Yeah. yeah, he needed a, a non yes man to say, look, um, yeah, we we need to talk about this a little bit. I think you're a little off the mark. And when people get popular, they don't they don't want editors anymore. They don't they don't believe in that kind of um, I don't know that that kind of criticism that that uh, they just say, hey, this is the way I want to do it. So you know, people will buy it. Fuck you. So this is where going. We we talked about this before. Back in a certain period, I'd say a hundred years ago, there was I think a, a somewhat of a better balance or equilibrium between the, where you'd have writers who are publishers and then. They would have editors, professional editors, who would spend a lot of time working with these young authors uh, and helping them develop their craft and everything. And so their their quality of the writing is going to improve. And obviously, they still take credit for the book. But I think that that's the one thing that's lost with um, with self publishing, in the sense that it saturated the market without any kind of edits. Now, granted, that's been in the past, and I think especially in the eighteen hundreds, you had a lot of people like Charles Dickens or. Leo Tolstoy, who is another guy who had should have had half of his books, you know, eliminated. Like an editor would have taken Anna Karenina and brought it down to about you know two hundred pages. Right, um, but at least there aren't two hundred of him because not everybody can afford to print their books on paper. Well, and then it's a lot harder to figure out which one's the actual real Tolstoy writer, who's who knows, or Dostoevsky, or somebody who actually knows how to write, as opposed to somebody who's really good at getting a good book cover and is good at uh, marketing their book as being really great, but then you read it and, and all that. Well, what, what is it with the Russians and those huge books, you know, Tolstoy, uh, Dostoevsky, even like Solzhenitsyn. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. They never stopped writing. Well, they it's, cold. it's cold there. Hey, hey, it's a Soviet Russia. <laughs> weren't most There's of them all jail? I mean, weren't they all stuck in jail for a while? <laughs> well, well, a lot of them. Well, Solzhenitsyn, but not, not, uh, not Tolstoy or, or uh, Dostoevsky. Well, no, before the Dostoevsky was actually arrested for uh, political activism and he was sent to a labor camp and he was about to be uh, he was literally in front of a firing squad and they were g- literally giving the count for him to be shot. And he was spared at the last minute by an order of the czar. <laughs> and it drove two other guys mad who were right next to him on that firing line about to get shot. Um, so he like he came from that political dissident thing background in Pasternak didn't go to any prison, but he dealt with persecution. Solzhenitsyn was in labor camp. So a lot of Russian writing. It's uh, 
I, I almost wonder if it's them writing all that stuff down because there's not a whole lot else to do or just, I don't know, the rambling. But we see the same thing in English literature, too. If you go back to the 1800s, uh, look at some of Charles Dickens' books. They're, well, they're he was paid by the word. So, oh, that's true. That is a good point. Well, James Joyce could ramble a bit, but he also mastered the short story format as well. Right. But anyway, uh, hey, good afternoon, everybody. A little late jumping in here, but uh, good are to you see playing you. with your balls? Or are you playing with some poker chips? That. What, what is that? What is what? That that that. It sounds like poker chips being played with. If I was gonna, if I was gonna that, guess, it's his what beard. is that? <laughs> or something. Is it your uh, beard hitting the mic? <laughs> Could uh, I don't know. Yeah. I turned off the ceiling fan. Maybe that was it. Huh. Uh, well, it doesn't matter. So, uh, how's everyone doing? DT, good to see you've joined us. Hey, how's everybody doing? And there's that beard noise again, or something. I don't know. Maybe it's you when you come in. No, no, I'm, I, I don't. My voice is not in my uh, earphones, so it's not from me. It's not you. Oh, I guess it doesn't really matter. So. Well, anyway, uh, welcome everybody to the latest uh, Older Brother podcast. Um, I had a record day today at Asshole Consulting, uh, where I decided to offer free Asshole Consulting for three days in an <laughs> order for a marketing campaign uh, where I figured that if I offered free Asshole Consulting for a couple days in agreement, in exchange, that the clients would forever do all their Amazon purchases through my Amazon affiliate program. I did some math and figured that this could be very, very, very profitable, uh, which still has yet to be seen. Uh, but it's an oath. They have to take a blood oath, or well, it, well, well you know, they do actually do that. Well, there's no way to guarantee it. It's just their word of honor, you know. And, and people say, "Yeah, I promise to do all the Amazon shopping," and then some people. People were coming in. Hey, I already use your Amazon shopping anyway, so I want my free video. It's like, no, fuck you. This is getting new people in. <laughs> and then there's people. Hey, like, Aaron, yeah. you're, you're, why is your live stream not showing up in the thing so I can read the chats and stuff? Uh, I don't. Know. I see it. Oh, I you sent do? A, yeah, I got a link on. I sent a link on the Google Hangouts. Now that I'm an. Oh, expert. I know what I did. I went to Aaron's site instead of the uh, instead of the older brother one. That's right. why. Never mind. No, anyway, the the way I got the. Uh, there's no way to guarantee that they're going to do it. Uh, but a lot of people were promising and saying they wouldn't da da da. I mean, the math, you think about it. If you get someone to agree to a lifetime of purchases of all their Amazon purchases through your affiliate program, that's 7%. You're talking, you know, at least a thousand or $2,000 per person. Um, multiply, guess how many, guess how many free asshole consulting videos I did today? 20. 400. No, 400. And honest to God, how, <laughs> what? And he didn't ask how many sexual partners you had, okay? Yes. That's, yeah. That would be more. There's no way you slept with more than 400. <laughs> hey, I'm really, really, really busy and old. Uh-huh. I That's like Lot, or not Lot. Um, King David, where they all had their harems. They had a harem or concubines of 3,000. I'm like, oh, well, I don't have a harem. Even if you had a harem, if you had 3,000 of them, you wouldn't have time to sleep with them. 400, for God's sake, you'd have so many diseases by now. <laughs> well, my yeah. nose is falling off. Uh, that was well, guys, you ever, you ever noticed that Anna's sick a lot? <laughs> it's the herpigonosyphilates. Terrence Pop knows all about it. 
Hey, Aaron, a thought for you. If you know any uh, good tech guys to go with your free asshole consulting thing, what you could say is, uh, here's, here's how it works. You get your video and you get this software code that you install, basically like a voluntary virus that will go and automatically insert code through their browser every time they go there. I'm sure somebody could figure out a way to code that for you. Yeah. Well, it's not even at that stage. All I want to do is trial run it. And so I thought, eh, maybe I'll get like 20 videos a day. I'll do it for three days. I had 47 videos in one one six-hour period. And after a while, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm like, I got to cancel because I have to do a podcast. I have to work out. And so I even started turning some people down. Uh, but I think 50 ever so roughly is enough of a, a statistical sample that we'll see if my Amazon affiliate purchases go up. Um, but it was... It was, you really kind of see, not to belittle the, the questions people were sending, but you really kind of see what people were holding back on. Uh, kind of like one guy wanted to know how to get a nail out of his tire, if he should remove <laughs> a nail from his tire. I think he meant to send that to Click and Clack. I, what is that? Like a, it's, it's a car radio talk show. What, what? Kepi, what's the most ridiculous request that you got today? Today, probably that nail one. That was there. Um, you I almost got, feel like he did it just in, in jest. In, uh, it could be. It could be, but you never know. See, I get I got some weird ones. Um, so much to the point where you kind of get depressed because you're like, oh, it's, this is this is my – these are the people who listen to me. Or there's a certain significant <laughs> percentage of these people that listen to me. You're like, oh, and I'm not picking on any – there's just like three or four that I'm just kind of like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Um, do you ever get like, the Dan Savage type questions where like, well, is it okay if uh, there, if peanut butter just gets on my crotch and my dog licks it off? Is that, but see that okay. You know, those are bullshit requests. Those are, those, I mean, maybe not, maybe, maybe society is that dark and maybe I'm slowly realizing that, but there were some who that weren't spoofs or jokes, uh, where I was just kind of reading through it and I'm like, yeah, I'm losing my soul answering these questions. Right <laughs> Uh, that's saying a lot because I don't know if Cappy had much of a soul. But um, Stephen Williams says, I'm buying jerky supplies right now through Cappy's Amazon affiliate program. So you hear that, kids? Steve's use- jerky. Well, he doesn't say Steve's jerky. He just says he's buying uh, buying jerky supplies right now. Through- so I don't know if these guys want to make it. Oh, no, that's, that's Steve. He's buying his jerky supplies through my Amazon affiliate program. That's oh, Steve's that's jerky. Steve's yeah. jerky. That's Steve's okay. Jerky. So he, All right, he, there you go. So that, that might be a lot of supplies because I heard a lot of the good things about Steve's jerky. I've yet to try it myself, even though I do, I do like jerky. Yep, I like the original jerky. I don't know if Steve is like – I don't like the teriyaki and the pepper. I just like the, the traditional jerked beef. Yeah, facebook.com slash, slash Steve's jerky. I make, a, I make a good money on the, uh, the Amazon affiliate account. It's – you know, I think a low month for me is four hundred dollars. So I do have a lot of people that do it. So I was sitting there thinking, <clears throat> if I did, and I had, I was running some projections just based on the forty that I have, forty-seven that I had today. Um, we could be talking like seventy-five to one hundred thousand dollars, or amortized, of course, over the course of a lifetime. So these, you know, six hours of work I did, it may have been painful and kind of a pain in the ass. And you could see it like I was happy and excited, but by the last video, I'm like, yeah, fucking John Wright from fucking Oklahoma. <laughs> hey, Captain, how the fuck do I wipe my own ass with my own fucking toilet paper? Should I use my left or my right fucking hand? I was looking a little haggard and beleaguered. 
So Amazon just had Prime Day. What you're saying, Aaron, is that you had Asshole Day. I had Asshole Day, yes. Maybe this should be a quarterly thing, maybe, or a a yearly? It well, The first annual uh, Asshole Day? Asshole Prime. Yeah, 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 no, I'm prime asshole. Yeah. Prime asshole. Yeah, prime asshole. You know what? God damn it, Ann. That's good. Aaron's no. got a prime asshole. Right. Primo, maybe primo. Primo prime asshole. Uh, it, no, I got, it, I got some guys in Seattle that would really like to meet you, Aaron. Yeah, friends, yeah. It's, yeah, it, it's, uh, well, look, nothing, nothing. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. And it's stupid shit like this that I've taken a risk on that actually has paid off un- unexpectedly well. And so you never know. Even if half the people do it that they said they're going to do it, it would totally be worth it. Um, well, what's the risk? It was a day, right? Not even. It was six hours. Yeah. There you and go. some stress and getting, you know, losing just that little remnant of my soul removed. Uh, right. Yeah. It's core, but a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, of the five atoms, <laughs> of the five atoms of soul that I had left, four remain. And uh, Faustian bargain. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, no, I may I may do it like uh, quarterly, where we have asshole day or prime asshole day, uh, because yeah, you could get because and that's the other thing. A lot of these guys they they can't afford the fee. Because uh, I was getting a lot of maybe it wasn't that they were bad questions; they were just horrendously depressing questions where I realized just how much these parents, uh, their parents failed them. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm kind of like one shoot your parents. And I can't say that because that would be illegal, but yeah, one shoot your parents or at least disown them Two, almost like rob, whatever your parents got and then leave them forever. And then uh, three, yeah, you got to stop doing the drugs Four, you put your kid up for adoption five. You shouldn't be contemplating suicide so much. Six, oh. stop doing the drug. And it just kept getting worse. And <laughs> oh worse. my God. Yeah. There, I take it. There are a lot of just shit awful parents out there. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's bad. Um, and well, it's also what, one of the main reasons I wrote Black Men's Got Out of Poverty because I'd have disproportionately young black men come in where not just one or two occasions, but four, three or four occasions in this one where the mom threatened to kick the son out if he dared go join the military, or go to college because she'd lose more Section 8 housing. What? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, didn't I tell you that? No, shit. Oh, yeah. It's horrible. It's horrible. And then another one is um, I don't know why the. It's real. In- it's dark, but interesting in a sad way. It's only boys that would get threatened by the mother that they'd be kicked out of the house or disowned if they left the house for Section Eight money. But then it's only well, girls. The girls, the girls would uh, the, the mothers would have their daughters get pregnant and have more kids, so that would bring more more money into the household. Well, for the daughter, maybe. But, but then the daughter would go run off and get her own oh, Section Eight housing, God. I presume. But the Wait. daughters, it's a different way that the. Wait, wait, I, huh. I don't get how that's a threat. If you leave the house to go to college, I'm going to kick you out of the house. Because <laughs> because it's your parents' take. What else What else do you have if you're that poor? All you got is family, and your friends are mostly likely screwing you over, and they're not right. terribly great friends. So they're just saying, don't ever bother coming back if you leave to go to college. Yeah, where are you going to go on Christmas break, you know? I mean. Right. I, I wouldn't think about, well, what's about your is, business, Aaron. 
the great thing about it is that, you know, typically this would be under doctor patient confidentiality. Like if they're going to a shrink or something, no, you're an asshole. You I'm can talk asshole. about, what? you can I, talk about your cases. I don't, I don't mention their names. Plus of when course, there's a re- <laughs> when, when it's a repeat, when this happens and it's a trend, it's like, okay, I guarantee you there's other poor boys out there that have this happening yeah. to them. So, 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 so for, the, for the benefit of anyone who might be having this situation, what, who might be listening, what can you possibly do when your mother is doing this to you? You got you to gotta leave your mom. And that's, that's the hardest thing I got. You are, it's not like just this simple, logical conclusion. Oh, boy, this gal's a bitch. No, it's your mom. You're genetically programmed to love her or at least be attached to her. Mm-hmm. And here's your mom who frankly doesn't love you, loves money and a government check more than she does her own damn children, has used her children, abused them to get more government aid. But a little kid don't know that. Been brought up with his mom the entire time. Uh, you know, and, and, and now even if you're 18 or 19, you've never left home. You can't just, it takes a really strong kid and takes a lot of abuse to do that. So, I mean, but I tell him, I'm like, yeah, your mom doesn't love you. That's, I mean, maybe she does on some weird level, but it's unhealthy and you got to leave. Yeah. I mean, that, that's serious dysfunction. I mean, to be honest, the only real answer for a kid who's in a situation like that is, is probably the military. Um, mm-hmm. because you know, then you'd get the college option afterwards where, you know, they, they'll, they'll pay for it. Um, yeah. Well, and you'll get food. You'll get the discipline that your absentee father yeah. wasn't around. Yes, yes, that, yeah. that drill yeah. instructor will make sure you, you brush up and clean up. Right. You get the family. Yeah. Get well, yeah, you get a family, yeah. you get a sense of brotherhood, um, mm-hmm. right. In the military, especially if you get to, not that it's a good thing, but if you ever do go to combat, like guys who will say that, that that's. Um, there's a sense of brotherhood. You know, I read an interesting th- thing about uh, the way the whole motorcycle club thing started um, was, uh, you know, these outlaw motorcycle gangs. It basically started by guys who came back from World War II in Korea who were actually missing the the fraternal uh, the fraternal brotherhood they had in the military and that that kind of renegade lifestyle they were living when they were in the shit. And that's how that whole MC shit started. Interesting. I wonder why it was... Korean vets, not even World War II vets, uh, predated. Well, they probably them. got married. Well, those guys, I think, I'd have to look at the statistics, but I think that it was really common for a World War II vet. As soon as they got home, they, you know, found a local, you know, high school sweetheart, married her, started having kids, went, took the GI Bill, went to college, and and did all that stuff. I think it might have been different for Korea because it's it's one of those forgotten wars in U.S. history. So I think that they. I don't know. Uh, it was also a different war. It was more of trench warfare, uh, especially for the last part of it. So maybe it was just different. Uh, they didn't come out and then enter uh, a different period. But it's interesting how I was thinking about this the other day. It, this dovetails off of what John was just saying, how much um, and how important continuity is with human relationships. Because people are always saying, oh, I'm surrounded by people. You know, I'm, people aren't lonely. Yeah, but are they around people who have any continuity or uh, like knowledge or history with another person? Because I think that that's what can create a lot of lonely loneliness among people is they can be around people who don't know them, weren't there when they were maybe going through a hard time or th- like going through a crisis or a challenge, like during war. And so they don't have that kind of relationship and they feel like they're not really known by the people around them. So well, yeah. Yes, I think you're right about that, TJ. Uh, but if you look at the sheer numbers compared to World War II to Korea, right? There was what 12 million people went off to war in World War II. How many people in Korea came back from World War II? 
pretty much anywhere you went and be like, hey, yeah, I was over in the other unit. And you could find some guy you could relate to, but Korea, yeah, maybe not so much. Right. 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 And I, I think that that goes to when we're looking at our society today and how atomized it's become. It's because people are moving around so much and not, uh, I mean, there's a lot of diff- different things to look at that. But going back to, you know, we were talking about the, the parental kids looking for advice from Cappy because their parents weren't doing a good job. I was also thinking about this. There's two different ways that parents can be a bad parent. One is by uh, action, like what they say and what they do. And then there's what they don't do where they, 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 maybe they didn't say anything mean. They didn't do anything bad necessarily. I think that's actually worse because they don't tell them anything they need to know to make it in life. And yet the kids looking up to the parent saying, Oh, this is the person who's going to tell me what I need to know to make it in life. Right. You just naturally look, look up to them. And then to find out they either don't don't know or knew and didn't give you that information is a really hard thing for for kids to accept, because if this person who doesn't care about you and they're the most important person in your life, who else is going to care about you? Well, it's even worse. I mean, I'd be thankful if uh, some of my clients parents were just neutral like that, you know, absentee or aloof, you know, they, they were married there in the house, but <clears throat> your old man never gave you advice or your ma never gave you advice. And even if your ma gave you bad advice, cause you know, women just like a sensitive man and all that other bullshit. And that was damaging. At least they weren't actively conspiring against you. Uh, like the, the, what the girls tend to have happen to them is their mothers will take out credit card uh, debts in their name. Cause they have their daughter's social security number. And so when you, oh yeah, oh yeah, no, it's, it's, it's just like, you know, and I, I, I'm, this is why I'm particularly harsh on deadbeat dads and single moms. It's like, well, not all of them are, you know, ass raping their kids financially or, or screwing their kids just so they can get government check. But it just, it, it, it makes me angry and pissed off. You know, just once I'd like to have a cute girl say, dear Cappy Cap, Captain Asshole, I have C cup bra uh, boobs right now. And should I get them to be double D's? Here's some pictures of what they look like now. You know, just one. Here's your $35. I'd like your opinion. And I got people, well, my dad, I don't know who he is. And, and my mom, she just went into this fit and uh, she was passed out because she OD'd on something. And you're just kind of like, oh, yeah, so that'd be $32, kid. I, I actually feel bad taking money, but I got to make ends meet too. Uh, that's heartbreaking but the question but uh, the, for those girls out there that have questions about the 32 c cup um and whether you should get the d send the pictures to me john Steele. And I'll, <laughs> I'll give you my opinion you, about that will you charitably handle those questions for me john if i have overflow you'll you'll take care of that for me yeah i think i can squeeze that in <clears throat> no man, no pun intended man you're yeah, you're I'll, a swell guy john anytime brother shit i'll i'll say i'll give you the answer right now the answer is no what, nothing don't worse. turn them into double Ds? Yeah, nothing worse than fake boobs. If I, ah! wanted, to play, if I wanted to play with dodgeballs, I'd go back to kindergarten. Yeah. <laughs> they don't allow you to do that anymore in kindergarten. <laughs> oh, that's right. It's a microaggression. I, no, I, I don't care. Fake or real, I don't care. I, uh, I, I, I really don't care. I mean, you got to have a good boob job. You can't have it look like, you know. Yeah, you don't want to, nothing worse than a botched boob job. Yeah. yeah. And actually, boob jobs are kind of scary. I was doing some research on uh, me and John's upcoming telethon, and I was watching. You, you want to hint on that, and just hint. Don't give it all away. 
Yeah, well, we're we're gonna we're gonna do a, a telethon about uh, some 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 seed money we need for a project we're gonna do. But uh, I was I was doing some research on on girls who've gotten boob jobs, and one of these girls was talking about like she she, she just this blonde bimbo. She's like really freaky looking because she's had so much plastic surgery, and she comes on camera like eating a eating a can of Pringles, and she goes, "I've I've gained so much weight in the past three weeks because you're not supposed to exercise after you get a boob job because they cut through all these veins, and you can explode your veins if you exercise." So I've just been sitting on the couch eating Doritos. And I'm like, holy shit! They cut through blood vessels. Ooh. Yeah, it's it's not you're getting stitches or you're you're you know getting your toenails cut. Hey, like, don't it's, don't you know some girls need a boob job. Don't freak them out about it. All right, we you know we won't. I mean, come on. <laughs> okay, it's puppies and flowers, and you'll get Hillary Clinton elected as president and free birth control. They and actually free chocolate. Yeah, they actually, they, they don't cut you open. They beam the transplants into your chest, and the right. transplants are filled with liquid social justice. Right, so yeah. it's perfectly safe. <laughs> well, it is true that your salary goes up if you get a boob job. Ask any porn star, they'll tell you that. Is that uh, kind of a little selection bias there, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, uh, but no. What about the old natural thing, kind of a niche that, uh, you know, some folks go for? Oh, natural grannies. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I still don't care. I'm not I'm not a bigot against boobs. It'd be fake or natural. I don't care. I don't know. I'd, I guess I'd have to sit and contemplate. Maybe as I've gotten older, I've matured in my tastes, and I'll appreciate natural ones better. But um, well, speak, Speaking of horrible-looking boobs, uh, there's something that's been bothering me this week. Um so I'm playing this video game. You ever heard Kingdom Come Deliverance? You ever heard of it? Uh, came out. It was, it was privately funded through Kickstarter a couple years back. Kick-ass game. Mid set in the medieval Bohemia. Doing awesome stuff. You're sword fighting. Doing great stuff. I'm like, yeah. And then you're ch ch chatting up the uh, the local mill girl. And then all of a sudden, I get to the part where you guys actually hook up. And it goes from being the kick-ass sword fighting game to all of a sudden, there's this graphics. So you're getting it on with this kid. Well, what the hell is it? What the hell are they showing these graphics with actually banging this girl? Like, no kidding. This is a video game? This video game. And, she, and you know, they couldn't even do it well because they had the worst set of <laughs> horrible CGI boobs on her. I'm like, what the, where the fuck do you put that in there? Wow, why would you make bad CGI boobs? It's not like there are any restrictions. Yeah. It's, it's like, why well, you listen, have to, you have to understand you have to understand that guys who are coding video games never saw boobs in real life. So yeah, I've seen the videos of the guys who uh, made this. They put out a bunch of YouTube videos, updates. These guys are from the Czech Republic, like actual burly men getting out and fighting swords with each other to figure out how the hell to do the sword fights right in the game. They're not exactly, you know, wastrels like some of the coders around here. I, I, don't, I just don't get why they would put that scene in at all. Well, wait, wait, wait. Did they – I question why they would have the scene in there as well. But you're saying these guys went out and actually reenacted sword fights so they could do the CGI of the sword fights correctly? Yeah, they had, like, sword masters come and show them how the techniques work, and they had an actual armorsmith come and make armor, and they would get out there and do sword fights with each other to figure it out how they make it work. It's like, man, 
So, but then they chintz on getting the porn actress out there to show them how that uh, you appropriately have sex, or they just assume they knew and then they botched it on the on the porn scene. I guess <laughs> they probably had no energy left to think about boobies after fighting with swords and shit. You know, I mean, who knows? This is this isn't for like Nintendo or console <laughs> games. Is it? This got to be for like uh, PC. Oh, PC, but you can get it on like the PS4 and stuff too. Is there a video game where you can graphically like cut off someone's boob? What? What? No idea. Like, sorry, that, that 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 random thought just just crossed my mind. After that was kind of disturbing, Ann, and yeah, I'm happy. Yeah. Oh my God. Are you are you in the middle of writing another book? <laughs> Well, you know, there, there, there are video games where you can rip out people's spines, their eyeballs. Okay, but that was a bit spoofy. I mean, like, what was it? Uh, oh, what was the name? Mortal Kombat. That was kind of a joke back then. I don't know if you want to sexually mangle a, a, a gal. And, uh, uh. Well, great, Anne. Thanks for that. All right. Well, <laughs> yeah, I know I need to get that picture out of my head, man. <laughs> I I already had a, a, a image in my in my head of you know you know you know when they have a li- like life monitor on the screen when people are playing a video game I was imagining like as Aaron is fielding these calls today his his soul points are slowly going down <laughs> Oh like, yeah it was <laughs> And he was already in the low yellow as it was so. <laughs> Oh it was it was bad no I I came off this week I finally got the carpet back I finally dried out the carpet we've installed the Belcher show all this piddly shit and then I had on my to-do list, free asshole consulting trial run. I'm like, yeah, let me bang this out. And then just it willed you down and willed you down and willed you down. And I walked into the gym. I fit the gym in between the, the videos and, and the podcast here. And I was just the most pathetic looking, Debbie Downer looking guy at the gym. I'm like doing my pull-ups and I just like <laughs> didn't have the energy. And I didn't. I was normally I could do about 13 or 14 pull-ups and I only got like 11 in. <laughs> so somebody in the gym is taking t- is taking video of you and posting it right now. Sad guy at gym. Sad guy at gym. So Mega like- Mind Swifted wrote, "What the fuck, Ann?" <laughs> <laughs> I, I really need to turn my filter on one of these days. Uh, that's all right. We're only we're only under review right now by Google to see whether or not this channel is <laughs> yeah, talk about ripping chicks boobs off. God almighty. <laughs> hey, at least I'm not using ethnic slurs like some people we know. Yeah, but it doesn't it, it's it's almost worse when you're talking about mutilation in these dark <laughs> We go from like this this deep philosophical, actually older brother helping out people in poverty and addressing girls seriously. And then here's Anne. We should rip girls' tits off. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not real girls. It's video game violence. Yeah, that's still it's a, hey, DT. You got a happy life. Tell me, tell me something happy and jovial. Something happy. The reason why I've been uh, quiet here for a while is not because I'm horrified by ripping <laughs> tits off, but. Because I'm horrified by my Windows 10 computer again. In that, <laughs> in that there's this file called taskhostw.exe that suddenly was using 100% disk, and I'm trying to figure out what it is. And uh, so I don't know if anybody in the chat can tell me. There's a bunch of different answers when I search for it online. Some say it's a legitimate process. Some say it's a virus. So wonderful. I think you were talking about that in your last podcast, Cap, about how you try to find an answer to something and you can't find a clear answer when when searching online anymore. 
No, there's the the YouTubes and the internets have been flooded with misinformation. People just mm-hmm. going for clickbait and yell, not even yell journalism, just clickbait. And there was that golden era of time where if you want to look up something on the internet, usually the first search item was the answer you were looking for. <clears throat> and now it's it is at if you want to find something technical, it's going to take you at least ten minutes to find the actual answer. Well, that's the thing. I I started the podcast. I'm like, okay. I'm, Windows update, shut off. Yes, okay, well, I'm ready. Oh, okay, my disk is nice and low. And then I start hearing you guys cutting out, and I'm like, what the fuck? And I look, and it's at 100% again. It's this task post w.exe. And I can't, I, so I end, ended the process, and now it's all fine. But uh, yeah, um, I, I had a computer I had to mess around with that on. Fortunately, it was still within the time that I could send it back to Amazon. So I sent it back to Amazon mm-hmm. and just bought a used one that somebody had souped up. You know what I'm going to do once the uh, Super Chats gets approved here, or I learn how to put Streamlabs on this. I did have a successful trial run on Streamlabs on the Clary podcast, so I am able to get donations there. I just don't, I'm not able to get people on, like I can't have you guys on Streamlabs yet. I haven't figured it out. But when we get some means of monetization on this channel, we're going to raise, I say, $4.73, and we're going to buy you a used Windows 7 machine that doesn't crash and then yeah. you can join us every time. Yeah, well, I join you every time. It's just I, my voice might not, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> You're always here in spirit. Hey, it looks like uh, Jim Smithbride is giving some financial advice here. Uh, Vanguard total stock, mid-cap and small-cap with a good China fund in 40-20-20-20 Wayness. I don't know what Aaron's thoughts are on that, but I don't believe he's b- b- uh, big into uh, Vanguard's uh, mutual funds. 44? What's a Wayness? Well, no, you, so it's it's weighted. So forty percent oh, in the mid cap, twenty percent in uh, small cap. Uh, no, twenty percent in the total, twenty uh, percent in mid cap, twenty percent in uh, small cap, and uh, a good China fund in twenty. This is how my day's been going. These are the requests and information. What the hell does that have to do with anything? What does he want? Um, I, I don't know. He was asking about Arini and Forney, and then all of a sudden, I guess he wanted to get noticed, so he put something financial in there. Oh, uh, and it's in uh, all caps. So, <laughs> Aaron, what do you have against Vanguard funds? Their fees tend to be pretty low. I I don't have anything against Vanguard funds. I'm trying. I need the context. You can't just give me a ticker ticker symbol and some allocation percentages and say, "Hey, there you go." I mean, what do you ask no, me? What, I, what I, I think about it or what? No, but generally, I think Aaron's philosophy on investing in stocks is sim- same as mine. Is you just buy the tracking stock of the Dow and the S and P, um, and do that instead of, instead of, you know, cause there's pretty almost no management fees with those at all. And the, you know, 99% of the time they, they what do they, what does the, um, Aaron would know this. The don't, don't those tracking stocks outperform like 80 to 90% of mutual funds. Yeah, like over yeah, no, that's, that's the, I mean, I'll, we might as well, Hey, look, let's talk about older brothers helping out younger siblings and this will help everybody out. Finance and investing has revolutionized since I've started college and it has come in two main ways. One, the index funds or index investing, which means instead of you trying to pick your individual stocks or pick mutual funds or paying professionals to manage mutual funds who take 5% at whack every year out of your portfolio, uh, they found that index funds like just investing in the S&P 500, just investing in the Shanghai index, just investing in the FTSE, uh, which is Britain's- uh, Britain's uh, equivalent of the Dow. Yeah, yeah. You invest in these index funds over the long haul. These funds will be the professionals, including yourself, uh, 80 to 85% of the time. And 
So what that means is basically all the financial advising industry is worthless. All your financial advisors, all your financial planners are completely worthless. They're unnecessary. You don't need a broker. Okay. We got mutual funds. You have index funds. Boom, investing in the index. There's no guarantee. You might lose money, of course. And I guarantee you, your, your investments will go down. That's the nature of investments. But statistically speaking, in the past, you have an 80% chance of beating the professionals. So you don't have to go to college. You don't have to learn to read a financial statement. You don't have to learn you know, efficient frontier analysis or anything like that. All you got to do is invest in the index. Um, the second thing that's come along are these robo-advisors now because it's like, okay, well, which index do I invest in? Do you want to invest in an international index put out by Morgan Stanley? Do you want the regular old S&P 500? Do you want the, um, uh, not Barclays. Is it Barclays? What was that? Yeah, Barclays. When Lehman Brothers went belly up, they had the bond index. Now it's Barclays bond index. Which one and in what percentages do you invest in? And it depends on how old you are and when you want to retire and you know uh, how long you expect to live and what your spending is like, what your risk adversity is like. Uh, and so now you have these robo advisors because in the olden days and not that far in older days, like five years ago, you'd walk in to a Charles Sh a Schwab or a Edward Jones or a Vanguard and someone would ask you a bunch of questions and enter that data into the software. That software would then analyze it and then give you this efficient allocated portfolio saying, well, you know, John is practically on the verge of death. He's so old. Uh, so he better <laughs> switch to bonds. So he has an 80% bond weight with a, uh, you know, a 20% S&P 500 weight. TJ, well, he's just fresh out of the assembly line. You know, he's barely 12. He doesn't even have pubes. He, he can take an all equity position, maybe have a little bit of exposure in international equity. Uh, and so the, these rope, so that's what it Way would ahead be. Of partner. What's that? Way ahead of you. <laughs> so, yeah. These, they, what they said is, well, we don't need these assholes, these financial planners to plug in this information, answer these questions ourselves. Let's just have people be able to enter their own answers online. Boom. Now you got robo advisors. And so now all you got to do is go to Betterment. You could go to captaincapitalism.blogspot.com, click on the Betterment logo. I have an affiliate program with them. And you just go online. You can set up an account, get yourself an IRA, Roth or traditional, doesn't matter. Uh, well, it does, but yeah, no, get whoa, whoa, whoa. yeah, it matters a lot. Get a wrong, it matters, but I'm not going to delve into it right now. People can pay me for me if they want, right? Um, but then you fill in your information, and this software will analyze it and tell you, okay, we recommend this allocation in equity, this allocation in aggressive growth stocks, this allocation in uh, foreign stocks, this allocation in bonds, this allocation in uh, uh what's it called, money market funds, and so now. Aside from, I'd say, investment bankers, um, and even even uh, GoFundMe might replace those guys, there is just no damn reason uh, to have a financial advisor now because it's just all automated. Oh, and by the way, these robo-advisors only invest in indexed funds, so they don't even dick around with actively managed ones that try and beat the index. So, I mean, if that's what he was asking about, what do I think? Is that what it seems like he was asking what I thought about that allocation? Yeah, I, I I don't know if he was asking it or it actually seemed like he was just giving me advice, which I don't necessarily have a, a challenge with with what he said, but it, it kind of it, it's very it's very specific, you know, even whether or not, you know, the equity to debt ratio in your investment portfolio is something you have to consider, like Aaron was saying, you know, because I'm on the verge of death, you know, I would be better to be more invested in um, in debt, no pun intended, than equities. You want to hear my non-sexy yeah. advice? I would love it. Um, don't spend money. Pay off your house, 
Um, and if you choose to invest, realize it, that you are placing your faith in the herd. You're placing your faith in people where I think it's like 50% don't have 400 bucks for emergencies. Mm-hmm. So um, my advice is it's, it's, a, it's a lot easier to sleep at night when you know that you can't lose your house. And, and even thinking about it, it, you know, financial advisors will say, well, uh, get a 30-year mortgage and then use that money that you're saving and invest it in the stock market. And you're making this little bit on margin. Fuck margin. You're making 4%, 5% or whatever now on your money if you pay off your fucking mortgage and then you actually own something. If you are investing in the stock market, you're placing a bet in the future. You're saying that you think the future is bright <laughs> and and I don't. So I would rather I would rather be debt free now, keep a lot of dry powder for when the next uh, recession hits because I think it will eventually here. I, and and um and and then jump on it maybe or maybe not. Enjoy your life. I don't know how you think about this Aaron, but you know, it's kind of conflicts with um <clears throat> with the whole investing philosophy, but you're a minimalist and and it really if you it, why why sock away money to inv- enjoy this future where your knees are going to hurt and you can't piss right and and you, it's hard to shit or whatever the fuck i mean why would you want to wait for this this golden retirement that's probably never going to come enjoy your life now right well that that for and you hit it right when you said it's for the herd and here's the problem with the herd it, you are 100% right if i were to give advice i would say pay off your house try and get debt free first Pay off your uh, fucking car, by the way. Get yeah, that car. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> foolish of me enough to assume that uh, people had their cars paid off. But, you know, get rid of all your debt because here's the thing. Credit card debt, let's say you're an idiot and you've been very irresponsible and you have a, a, a credit card that charges you, say, 20% interest on your credit card. You're not going to get a guaranteed rate of return of 20% per year anywhere else. You just aren't. So you pay off your high interest debts and then, okay, what's the next one? Maybe that's a 7% car loan. 7% is a pretty damn good rate of return. You pay that off. Then once you're down to like, say, your your house and the interest rate is 4%, all right, now now maybe, maybe, maybe yeah. you think about investing in stocks. But everyone keeps looking at stock prices increasing. No one looks at its cash flow. What is the actual rate of return you get in the form of a dividend payment or an interest payment? And ultimately, that's the only thing that matters because that's all a stock or a bond pays out to you is a is a interest payment or dividend payment. And then people say, yeah, but if I sell it, then I make more. I'm like, okay, fine. You sell it to some other sucker. That doesn't change the fact. All you did was sell that stock, which promises all future dividend payments to that person. So I would focus on the rate of return in terms of cash flow, which is below 2% now for your average S&P stock. I don't know what, I mean, do savings rates even pay a percentage even more? I, I don't think it's a quarter of a percent, maybe in a savings yeah, account. A quarter, well, you can get about uh, with CDs. I know I manage the money for, uh, it's, it, we got we got about a million dollars coming in that I'm going to have to park somewhere. And we're, we're probably just going to invest it in uh, CDs and probably, probably get just under 1% for it. Wow. You know, I bet you uh, DT will pay you 2% for a $50 loan to buy him a new damn Windows 7 machine that works. <laughs> hey, Clary, going back to the asset allocation thing, um, have you ever read Nassim Taleb? No, I know who he is, but Black Swan guy, right? Yeah, I, in fact, I just, Oh, I know, yeah, oh, he's great. Yeah, I love that guy. Yeah, I just, he's written a bunch of other awesome books too, but I, I just finished it with the Black Swan a couple weeks ago, and I'll tell you, he has nothing 
but bad things to say about the whole modern portfolio theory about how to allocate your shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, he's like, it's all bullshit. Nobody really knows a damn thing. Um, and it's based on faulty statistics. It's, right. It's, it's his thesis. So, um, well, and that's, that was, stuff, that was the next point I was going to. 80% here and 20% there. When you're 60, you should have 60% here and 40% there. And it's like, I'm just curious your thoughts about that. Well, he is right too, but this now gets back to the larger economic point I was going to make about the herd. Once you get down to having no debts except your mortgage, it's a 4%. I would still advocate paying off your mortgage because that's a guaranteed 4% rate of return. Right. And assume, and I'm serious, like you go get a second job if you have to, you cut your spending, you knock that sucker out. Then when you have your house paid off, and this is the situation that I'm faced at, that faced with, it's like, okay, what do I do now? If you're lucky, you will have your own entrepreneurial endeavor where if I throw in 100, I get 120 out. So private investments, be it in yourself, your education, so, you know, you, you go take that extra CPE course and you get a, 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 a 10% raise from your boss. That's a positive rate of return on cash flow. A, a boob job. A boob job. Deadly serious. I, honestly, I think a boob job certainly better than getting the, than half these college degrees out there. Uh, yeah. that, I mean, young ladies, God, every liberal arts majoring girl should go get a fake tit job with the money they're spending on those damn worthless degrees. It would have a higher rate of return. Yeah, you, I mean, look, even like waitresses will get, you know, uh, I'm not kidding. I actually showed this. They get uh, boob jobs. You can make more money. Oh, yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, and you worked in the food service industry, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, so. It's absolutely, this is anecdotal, but it's like I worked in the food industry for seven or eight years. So it's seven or eight years of anecdotal evidence. So the bigger the tits, the bigger the tip. Absolutely. Um, Jim Smith there actually process. is a study about that. that, that, that as as hang on, John. John, hang on. Let me let me finish this off. Let me finish this point off to address Alexi's issue, and we can see what Jim has to say. Um, where the herd comes in, and this is where <clears throat> it throws everything off and really dumbs it down. You have had trillions of dollars flooding the market now because of 401ks and IRAs. More recently, you've had trillions of dollars flooding the market because of low interest rates. Corporations have been buying back. I think they're up to $3 trillion now worth of stocks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then quantitative easing, just we've uh, increased the money supply uh, by 500% uh, since 2014. If it, no, 2010, I'd have to look at it. We've, we've increased the money supply five times uh, ever since the, the the housing crash. Now, that money has got to go somewhere. And that money usually inevitably makes its way into asset prices. So housing, stocks, bonds in the form of lower interest rates. And people just aren't really necessarily spending that much money anymore. So it doesn't trigger inflation. Plus, not to bore everybody with the, with the dullness of international economics, we actually export a lot of our inflation because foreigners are even in worse financial and more corrupt shape than we are. So they buy our inflated dollar assets. So it doesn't. it's not spent here on our shores. So what ends up happening is there is this Per, as long as we run federal deficits to the extent that we are now, say 5% GDP or higher, that money is going to have to be printed off. Federal Reserve and the Treasury will do their old switcheroo. Hey, we'll buy those Treasury bonds from the from the, uh, uh, the federal government because we're the Federal Reserve and we're different, even though it's still the same entity as far as I'm concerned. Uh, that money is going to end up 
increasing stock prices, asset prices, tuition prices, car prices, anything you borrow money from, because it will go through the financial system. And that's where you, you borrow the money. Anything you basically borrow, you see has gone up tremendously in terms of prices. Uh, and what that means is as long as we keep being spend more than we make socialists cheap, uh, we are going to have ever increasing asset prices, not because they're actually going up in value, but because of the value of the dollars going down and that money is finding its way <clears throat> into asset prices. We don't say it's inflation because the CPI doesn't measure asset prices, uh, but rents, housing, tuition, healthcare, again, whatever you borrow money for will go up in prices. So this puts you at a very interesting position. And where I hate to admit it, I, I did have an offer on my house. I was thinking about selling it. And then I, it dawned on me, one, I don't want to move. Two, I could sell for you know something later unless the housing crisis hit. Three, I don't have to sell it because uh, I don't have a mortgage. Four, I like living in the WBL. Uh, but another large thing is that if I got rid of the house, I would almost immediately have to reinvest it back into the housing market right. because I don't view a house anymore as solely a place to live or even an investment. I'm viewing it more as a, a hedge against inflation. And I think the stock market is the same way now. In the olden days, rents would drive housing prices, profits and earnings and dividends and uh, economic prospects of a company would drive stock prices. But now it is merely the expansion of credit and the amount of money being printed that determines asset prices. And since we seem to be on Western civilization has gone away. We're just going to be like a, a tin pot second world Latin American country dictatorship where we print off more money. You want to have some kind of exposure in the stock market, in housing, be it a directly owning a house or real estate investment trust, or you are going to be starting to lose against inflation. And so it's not even investing. You're really just defensively positioning money so you don't lose uh, purchasing power in the future. Because think of the millennials now and heaven help Gen Z. I know everyone was very excited about low interest rates, but that meant something when the average house was $150,000. Now you got houses at $400,000. Well, who gives a shit if it's still 4%? Your mortgage is now the same as it was when it was back in the 1982 when interest rates were 13 or 14 or 15%. Right. Dude, you don't even want to think about how much housing costs you in San Diego, man. Jeez. Yeah, $400,000 is cheap, dude. My I have, I have an apartment and I can sell this for probably 650. Yeah, but see, do you, do you really think it's worth 650? I know it is because that's what the market is. I know that's what it is. No, fuck no. That's why I'm nervous. I Got like it. I know this there's, there's no way that that, that this could be this is sustainable. Well, this but that's my funny point. It damn well just might be. And what triggered my thought along this was uh Australia's housing market. It never breaks. And I might slow down a little bit, but they keep printing off money. Now, they also have the Chinese flooding in the market. Uh, but yeah, look are, at uh, Vancouver, B.C. I don't know right. if you know about their housing market. Oh, no. Yeah. No, they're, they are also flooded by Chinese money. And it, it's kind of like uh, it, it's like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. So if you have conquered all else and you have paid off your house, I think people looking forward when it comes to investing – I mean, yeah, you would like to do traditional analysis looking at PE ratios, debt ratios, economic, I'm not economic growth, earnings growth, uh, tie ratio, whatever you want. But unfortunately, I think 
uh, investing is now more just a, I want to hedge against how much more money the central bank is going to print off. And so that's what I, it should be. No, that's what it shouldn't be. There should, it, the central oh, bank. No, should, if you're smart today, that's how you should be looking at it. You shouldn't be looking at it as, oh, this is the this is how I'm going to make money and make it real quick. Yes. Oh, get burned. Yeah. Yes. This is this is not. And so, well, except for Bitcoin, right? That's a sure thing. <laughs> yeah. I well, I own started. Bitcoin. I I am not that's against. Purchase. I'm 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 buying. I'm, Actually, I, you're, uh, you were talking to, uh, who was it, uh, Atham the other day. Should I get a miner going? I actually do have a small miner rig going just for the hell of it. It's actually kind of fun. Does it, yeah, you're going to explain Bitcoin to me. I mean, I know what it is. But I mean, how to invest in it the best way. Um, someone's got to teach me that because I don't have anything in crypto, and I really should have at least something in on it. You know how hard it was to figure out um, – live streaming and monetizing YouTube and applying for the process. Now we got to put Streamlabs on top of it and all the work that um, Chris Beckloff went through, through Discord and all that. You know all that, John? Yeah. Okay, now multiply that times a trillion, and that's how difficult it is to figure out how to buy some freaking cryptocurrency because those goddamn nerds have completely left people out in terms of usability. They just, they're, st- they're still in the world of, what, don't you know the command prompt on how to program a computer? Uh, it's, it's like, wait, am, am I doing something wrong? Uh, hey, if I could recommend the Bad Crypto Podcast, those guys, cool. actually, uh, uh, those guys actually make it, you know, understandable. Anybody that's listened to me for any length of time, I know the podcast is down now, but if you want to really hear what I think about cryptocurrency, um, go to blackbrigade.org. I'm sure you can find the uh, the podcast. And I think they're a scam. I'll, I'll be a contrarian here. I think they're a total fucking scam. I agree. The reason why the reason why they're so hard to figure out that is because it's a fucking scam. If you can't figure out, I mean, like my house, I I know what my house is. If I pay it off, the the bank can't take it from me. If things go south, you know, if you buy a stock and it goes to zero, you're got nothing. If you buy your house and you pay it off and it theoretically plummets. You still got your fucking house. You still got something that's necessary for life. I think, that that's, I think that's the problem with cryptocurrency is that it's nothing. It's just a it, it's just an online thing that can disappear. And uh, I mean, let's let's talk about money. Oh, you want you want TJ? You want to hear? I'll appeal to your intellectual mind here. All you need to know about crypto is that it is infinitely divisible. It's practically speaking, infinitely divisible. If you look at the Bitcoin volume chart, back when it was reasonably priced, it was selling millions of Bitcoins or whatever. Anybody can look this up. And the minute it went crazy, and I predicted this on my podcast, I said, well, if what I'm thinking is true, if it's infinitely divisible and that's how they get more and more people into the market, I mean, a a share of Amazon is whatever, a thousand some dollars. That dollars, is a governor. Dollars. That's a that's a governor on how many people can buy it, right? You can't buy a thousandth of a share of Amazon unless you're buying a mutual fund. And and well, so it's, it's um, really so, um, infinitely divisible, though. DT. I mean, it's got a it's got a limit. You can change that limit, but that would end up having. Yeah, they're talking about that, 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 that. would that would end, that would end up forking the blockchain. So it'd be a whole different. Well, they're discussing making it even more divisible as we speak. I mean, Someone's because they want to they're discussing changing. All right, hold, the size it, hold, of the it, hold 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 it. Somebody is echoing. Stop talking over each other. 
Figure out who's echoing. Figure out who's echoing. TJ sound TJ off. TJ sound off. I'm here. I'm here. Okay, it's not you. It's not mouse. You. Mouse. Yo, is it me? You don't have an echo. You don't have an echo. Nope. It might be you. Do it you have your? You. Do you have your? No, speaker I... on. Speaker on. Am I echoing? Because I don't hear it. So you're not. That's what you're makes not. me That's wonder if it's you. Wonder if it's you. Hmm. There, who did that? Echo's gone. Yeah, whoever muted right now. Okay, go ahead, DT. You were saying, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was like going crazy. <laughs> I was like, well, that's just what like, happens when we talk I was going on a other. good rant, and and you it was like right. I'm hearing myself. One at a time. <laughs> so anyway, um, the infinite it it basically is infinitely divisible. I can't remember what's the smallest Bitcoin right now. But they're they're they when it was going crazy, they're like, well, maybe we should price it in a millionth of a Bitcoin and we'll have that be the price of Bitcoin or, or reduce it even further. And and that's all you really need to know. When when you look at that volume chart, it goes from trading in millions of bitcoins. And then when it got really popular, when it was up to twenty thousand a share or whatever, when that when that really started to take off, the volume plummeted in the amount of bitcoins being traded, plummeted, went right to the floor. And so it's it's taking off in price, quote price, but the volume was was nothing. And so what you've got is the, these guys. It's a it's a Ponzi scheme. It's a pyramid scheme. The guys that got in early got all the Bitcoin and and theoretically they can control the price. Really? I mean, if they want to drive it up, they could sell to themselves. I mean, it's it's completely. It, even even the stock market itself, I think there are a lot of those kind of shenanigans go on where you've got large institutional investors that dump shares to try to pound something down or uh, um, all those kinds of things happen. And, and so the real frustrating thing for me was, was you've got this alternate currency called gold and silver. <laughs> and it did, it did did libertarians and freedom loving people stick with gold and silver when the powers that be started to monkey hammer it down with uh, short sales and and just fake? I mean, using stocks to drive down the price of gold and silver. No, they switched to this new sexy thing called crypto and 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 bought into this idea that well, there's a there, there's only going to be 21 million bitcoins. There's never going to be more than 21 million bitcoins. It's irrelevant if you've got no floor underneath it. If you can trade in millionths of a bitcoin, in trillionths of a bitcoin, in quadrillionths of a bitcoin, what does it matter? It's still an infinitely uh, increasing cur currency based on how many people are buying it at any one time. Well, it can only be taken to eight decimal places, which is a long way down, I'll grant you. But the, if you're going to change that, the only way to change it is they to, were gonna go to 16. Is, is to alter the entire – yeah, but that would alter the entire blockchain, which would create a whole new different thing, and the old one would still be going. If, if, the, if the prices had keep going up, they would have been voting on it, and it probably would have happened. Or somebody, maybe, decided, but, somebody decided it was too hot and decided to start cashing out. Well, Cynic and Ch it seems like there's a 50-50 split in the chat about Bitcoin. Some people uh, agreeing and some people disagreeing with you. Uh, Cynic and Chief says, DT's argument is the equivalent of saying that if everyone exchanged dollar bills to pennies, that there'd be runaway inflation. No, no, it would be if you went to like an atom of a penny. <laughs> if, you were, if you could buy, I mean, yeah, that's a good point. You can only buy a cent. You can't use anything less than a cent. 
I think some stock prices now are down to tenths of cents. I don't know. I don't know if that, and that's so the computers can, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to pay slightly more for that stock. I'm going to pay a hundredth of a cent for that stock. So extra. So I get those shares. Um, but you can't physically go out and like Amazon, you can't go buy, you can't call up uh, E-Trade and say, yeah, I want to buy a millionth of a share of Amazon. No, there's some governing principle there. If Bitcoin, if you had to spend, what's Bitcoin at now? 2,000, 10,000, something like that. If you had to actually fork over 10,000 bucks for that fucking Bitcoin, I mean, you'd, you wouldn't have anybody involved. But since you can since you can go down to those eight def- decimal places and you go, well, I want some Bitcoin. I got five bucks. Uh, this guy's offering, you know, for five oh five for his whatever fraction of a Bitcoin it is. Okay, I'll buy it. Then on the other end of it, when you multiply that out to what is a total Bitcoin, that could be a twenty dollar, thirty dollar, hundred dollar move. Your one trade. One Bitcoin yeah, is now true. worth eight thousand four hundred and thirty six dollars and twelve cents. Yep. So my question is, what is real money? Like when we look at economics and actual money, there's a lot of the criteria that they have to meet. And one of them is they have to be valuable or useful for something other than its use as money. So you look at different things like gold and silver, where they have other uh, utilities besides being used for money. But gold doesn't have a utility. That was my challenge with the gold bugs. Is gold in and of itself has no utility. I'll, I mean, I'll something that's being rare doesn't that, that, give you utility. That's, that's a good point. I would, I would, um, and maybe I, Aaron might have more uh, thoughts on that. My retort to that would be: it's been used and considered valuable for as long as recorded history um, has been around. So if 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 it's still being considered valuable today, there's obviously a reason for it. Maybe I don't know the exact answer, but it's. A lot safer Sex. than <laughs> it's well, a lot it safer does, than it's it a lot safer than um, the use of basically fiat currency requires government forcing everybody to accept it, and so that's really the value of Bitcoin is that it's an anonymous way for people to exchange wealth without being tracked by government. At some point, if if, if we moved away from fiat currency, there would wouldn't I don't know if there'd necessarily be a need for Bitcoin, and Bitcoin's not it, it's compared to the dollar, which. The, the fiat currency. So it's not based on anything. So it's being compared in its value to something that it is right. only valuable because it's being enforced by the government. Whereas if Bitcoin was based on an actual object, you know, back in the day when you could take a, a $5 silver certificate, you could go take it to a, a bank or whatever and exchange that that dollar, $5 bill for $5 worth of silver. It was a certificate that's, that represented something physical that people can get. And so I think that when there's a currency crisis that maybe, I mean, we could see Bitcoin become more valuable because people want to use it as a way to get away from the fiat currency. But I think that that's when government's going to start cracking down on its use and saying, basically limiting it as much as possible where it can be used. And I think that that's where they're going to control it because they're going to realize that people can get their wealth out of fiat currency into something that's not taxable. You know, maybe a better investment would actually be a boob job. <laughs> no. Like you can no, keep I was going to say, we, we did enough on the crypto thing. Uh, let's talk about <laughs> Anne wanting to rip off boobs again. I don't know. It's kind of like a house, right? Well, you do I'm actually kind of lost at the whole beginning of this conversation because I wonder if I'm doing it wrong because I bought a some cryptocurrency and it didn't seem that complicated. Did I actually not buy cryptocurrency or did I just find a really it's, easy website? It's, it is relatively easy to buy cryptocurrency. 
Okay. If you let it sit there, selling it and tracking it down and then actually using it to purchase things, that's where usability goes right off a cliff. And then as TJ pointed out earlier, it's primary reason it has intrinsic value is that it's a transfer of wealth or is a tool capable of transferring wealth. And that is where the lion's share of its value comes from. Not even here in the United States, but foreign countries that are under the you know oppression of a dictatorial government that has currency controls. I mean, I got clients in Vietnam who was like, we can only transfer out X amount of dollars or X amount of currency. But if you got a cryptocurrency, now you can export that out without the Chinese or the Vietnamese government or the Venezuelan government coming cracking down on you. So that's where the value of this currency is coming in. Now, there is some speculation. There's also these crypto fanboys who masturbate and jerk off regularly every time a new cryptocurrency comes out because it has some slightly new technological nuance to it that the previous ones didn't have. Um, there, I think there's got to be approaching 2,000 cryptocurrencies now. So, <laughs> right, well, right. There is. No, there is. There's, it's not rare anymore. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, but most of them are bullshit, and in fact, most of them are scams. The, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I liken this to the, you know, any of the other guys dial into, into bulletin boards back in the 80s. Uh, maybe I was the only nerd who did. I dialed into stuff in the 80s. It was all annoying with the, the, the dialing in on the modem. And yeah, I did that. One I person did that. on the time and all that stuff. And then in the early 90s, I went to college and was like, hey, yep. Yeah, you got an email address? What the hell is this email thing? But it was all text-based, and then later on it was web browser. I, I liken the whole crypto space. If it ends up being a real thing, then who knows if it really will, but I liken the crypto space right now to be like the 80s to 90s as far as usability because it's, eh, yeah, you're right. It's still clunky. It's getting easier, but, uh, yeah, you do have to do a little research. Yeah. Maybe I just buy weird shit, but I have no problem like buying cryptocurrency, buying Bitcoin and using it to buy things. Yeah. Well, now, you, you remember you how to access your account? Yeah. Oh, you do. Okay, good. Because that was a pain well, in the ass for me. When you, and when, no, serious question. And when you bought it, so you bought it online, obviously. So did you like link it to your checking account and then buy it that way or what? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, I actually, yeah. if you, I, I forget whether it's cheaper to buy it through your debit card or your checking account, but one of them you have to pay a couple of bucks for, and one of them you have to wait a couple of days for. The checking account, you wait a few days. The debit card, you have to pay a couple of bucks. Nowadays, credit cards won't even let you do it, which is kind of a good thing. Yeah, Coinbase is easy that way. But uh, hey, but if you want to use coins, if you want to use crypto, you can buy my books with them from my website. How's that sound? <laughs> no, well, that's reason they're, enough to invest in crypto right there, man. There are yeah. actually things like vendors who will give you a massive discount if you buy with cryptocurrency. That's why I opened an account. But maybe that's just because I buy male prostitutes all the time. I don't <laughs> well, you know, that <laughs> deep web thing. One of the things that I think people confuse gold and silver as is they look at them as investments, which I don't. I look at it as a almost a, a insurance policy. Um, just in case anything happened to the, the uh, our fiat currency, um, because at some point, I, I mean, and it, this isn't to say that you can't buy some cryptocurrency. Just don't buy, a, don't see it as a silver bull, bullet. And I don't see gold and silver as a silver bullet. If there's right. um, a breakdown, you just want to have things spread around so that if something you just happen to strike gold, like that's how a lot of these these guys who made a lot of money off of Bitcoin, they bought like one or two bitcoins or three bitcoins or whatever back when it was first started out and then they found out years later that was worth 
you know, thousands of dollars and then they sold it. So you, you put stuff and that's kind of the, uh, appeal or, or selling point of, uh, these penny, penny stocks or whatever you buy, you know, uh-huh. a, lot, a little bit of those stocks and you mix everything around. But I think everybody's looking for that get, it's almost like a get rich quick scheme for everything. People want to buy it when it's uh, going up and then they want to sell it at the last minute. And it just ends up being this sort of short-term thinking as opposed to long-term thinking with this stuff. When I own any Bitcoin, you got to be real careful how you sell it. Because I mean, if you've got a hundred, 200 Bitcoin, you can't go out there and say, here, I'm going to sell my hundred, 200 Bitcoin. You got to sell. I mean, you got to use that fraction of a fraction of a fraction of Bitcoin to your advantage and slowly release it out. So you don't, affect the the price too much and i think that's the that's probably what's been happening with this crash a bit is that the big boys are realizing huh we better get out of this and they're slowly selling short bitcoin like for example if i had a huge amount of bitcoin could i um like take a short position right before i sell it i don't short it you could do option you can do uh futures trading with bitcoin now i don't know about shorting but but the uh the real fun thing about all this stuff though is the irs reviews all this all of these crypto things as an asset so you have to pay capital gains on every trade of it but it's not traceable right well (laughs) some of them are more traceable than others right i mean it's like yeah you know but if you want to be if if it's if it's linked to your uh, a checking account, which is linked to your right. social security number, it's going to show up that way. But I, right. I don't know. I mean, I don't know enough about it. But I, I wouldn't fuck with the IRS. The whole idea John, was to be John, outside uh, the system, though. John, can you do me a huge favor? I posted two videos in our chat room, not the one on the on the actual YouTube channel, but on our. Do you mind posting those for any listeners who may not know what cryptocurrency is or never got a real good tutorial? There's two videos I post. If you could post those. Okay, but I think you have to give me a wrench to allow me to post an earl give you a wrench uh yeah it's like a uh a tool oh, in the that... chat. yeah you can't post uh, uh urls <laughs> in the chat oh we can't oh for Christ's no you, you can you can aaron oh, or, can? You, or or you can okay. yes you can and uh if you give a wrench to someone that just means you give them the authority to you know. <laughs> well hold on, so you, you can leave a hand people over the head with a wrench <laughs> you can't leave just leave a comment no no it's never mind i guess you can uh, but so, ann brought up i wanted to say ann brought up a good point though about the boob jobs it's a good point because <laughs> some i mean think about how much time we spent here talking about oh here's how we can make more money we got to make more money we got to oh, no, no. i want more money for retirement i want to be that old guy with the golf clubs you know in in the sun, and the sun is setting and he's swinging and he's in and he's just in great shape oh, oh are you guys working out as much as you're thinking about making money are you taking care of yourselves i mean there's this thing of investing in yourself physically too whether it be a boob job that's sort of cheating but Get out there and make and, and make sure you're healthy so that it with all this work that you're doing to try to make this money quick and, and for retirement, that you can actually do something with it and you're not dead by the time you retire. I, I mean right. very good word. word. No, ac- excellent point. Can I can I just say something to that? And and I, and Ann, you still you're you might you might want to plug your fitness thing after I'm done with this statement. Hey guys, uh, here's a real health tip for you. Get a, a blender, like a Vitamix that I have blender you blend some kale you put some carrots some celery in there some some banana and a pear in there i just had it it's amazing i swear to god you 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 know you, you're you're drinking it but you're getting all the nutrients of of, of all the uh, the fruits and the vegetables and it tastes good 
And I swear to God, it's almost like a drug the way it hits you. Like, I swear to God, like three minutes after you drink it, you can feel it. Oh, yeah. The vitamin buzz. Yeah. Is that what it is? I, yeah. What the fuck is That's amazing, isn't that's, it? That's what I call it. I'm like, holy shit, I just ate like five bunches of broccoli and all of a sudden I'm on cocaine. Like, it, <laughs> it, it, it's awesome. It, but, yeah, no, it's like really, it's like a buzz. It's like, I, I you know, I'm not, I can't drink caffeine because I have a th- condition, but I, I think it's similar to that, but better. Like it doesn't just make you uppity, it makes you happy. Yeah, well, it's like all of a sudden you've got all these micronutrients that are making your brain function better, basically. So I just kind of like funny. Yeah, I just think it's funny that there's people who are obsessed with uh, getting, making good money, getting a better income or whatever. And I see these people who've done very well financially, but then you look at their their personal health and it's not so much that they're, uh, I wouldn't say overweight, but they're just stressed. Their job has stressed them out so much. And this is where I was talking about this with a friend. I go, you know, if, if you had the ability to take a less stressful job at your company and you got a pay cut, um, you know, of a certain amount, how much would that be? Because think about all the money you're saving from not having to go to the doctor all the time. I, I just know people who work very stressful jobs and they're good paying jobs, but I mean, they're like got, they've got more medical problems than, uh, you know, their grandparents or whatever. Oh yeah. I mean, speaking of my fitness blog, which, which John was just referencing, uh, disasterfitness.com. I've been trying to clear out my job is a bit stressful right now, but I'm trying to clear out time to write a blog post about this very subject and my take on it is a lot of people say, like, I, I need to go to school. I need to get my career together. I need to have a personal life. I don't have time to exercise right now. And they're thinking in the very short term. If, mm-hmm. But if you take that hour, which isn't very much of your day, if you take that hour right now and if you, like, set up a gym at home, you don't need to spend half an hour getting there and getting dressed and another hour getting back and, you know, buying a smoothie at the gym. Like, you can just spend one hour and all of those hours – that you spend over time seem like, oh, it's a drag to take that hour out of my day. But you are, with that hour of day, you are buying yourself like 10 to 20 years of usable life. Yeah, what do you hear from? It's like car maintenance. Yeah, it's like what I hear from every older person I've talked to over the years. They say the exact same thing. They said, health is the most important thing because all the money, it reminds me of the Godfather part two and I won't go through the whole movie for people who haven't seen it, but there's a gangster who's uh, older. He's, he's basically on his last legs and he's in a lot of pain because of his, um, his physical health. And he's talking about how he wishes he could spend all this money to make his pain go away. But that's the thing. You can have all the money in the world and it can't solve certain physical elements. So if you don't take care of your body, you may have a lot of money when you're older, but what, what's the point of being wealthy if you're in constant pain? I think most people, especially people who are in that position in their old elder years or their later years, uh, if they could trade wealth for health, they would pick health. Almost all of them would compared to, um, you know, yeah, of course. I mean, what, you know, no one cares if you're, if you're rich and dead. I mean, what difference does it make? (laughs) Steve Jobs himself is perfect example. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you, you yeah. got you got you know billions of dollars, but you know, so what? You're still, yeah, I mean, you, everybody's got an expiration. Yeah, but I mean, there's like simple things you can do. Like everybody knows, like go to the gym. There's a lot of simple shit you can do. Like take the fucking stairs, not the elevator, the escalator. I mean, shit, about that, crap. Of course, year adds up, and your 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 body will show it. So there's all these little things. You know, I don't know if Anne addresses that in her book or not, but um, but things like that you could just do. There's all these little things you can do to just move more. Yes. And then and eat fucking healthy, man. I mean, just like right. I, and I'm, I'm guilty of like having, you know, uh, at times having like really shit diet. And then I just got back into the blending thing. 
I literally today was my first day back at it. And I, I got to say, I, I can I literally feel it immediately. It's amazing. And you got to write a, maybe I'll write a blog, a guest blog post on your thing or something. I don't know. Sure. Absolutely. Wasn't right. there a whole blending phenomenon four or five years ago? Like that's all the manosphere was talking about. And there was juicing. That's what it was. Juicing. No, juicing's bullshit because juicing, you're take you're, you're throwing away like 80% of all the stuff. Yeah. What's well, the difference between that, that, that and blending? Blending is you're eating everything. You're eating. There's no, you're not extracting anything out of it. You're just blending it all up into a giant like shake and drinking it instead of chewing it. Uh, right. Uh, one, one, one stupid thing a lot of people do with both juicing and blending is instead of using a lot of kale and broccoli and, and maybe one apple, they'll use like five apples and 10 carrots and a banana and some yogurt. And then you're just basically drinking a Coca-Cola with some vitamins in it. Yeah, you want to have kale in there, and you just want to have enough fruit to sweet. Because kale tastes like shit when it's. I don't. I don't like taste of kale anyway, but kale tastes like shit in and of itself. But it's it's extremely nutrient rich. I mean, ounce for ounce, it's got more nutrients in it than probably anything. So you want to put um, you know kale in there, but you're gonna have to throw like a banana in there as well. And 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 carrots have the sweetness to them when they're blended, and carrots have lots of good nutrients in them. I do they have a little bit of sugar in there too, but I always put carrots in it because they're, they're nutrient rich and they do sweeten it up to smoothie. Yeah. But I don't put I any yogurt it, or shit like that. In. Oh, oh yeah. Or put some berries in there, right? Berries have tons of uh, stuff uh, in there, but if you're going to put berries, um, make sure you buy them organic. Cause something about berries, like the pesticide is really heavy in those things. Yeah. I think the problem with uh, all these different diets and health strategies, it's the same thing with people who are trying to invest. They're looking for a quick um, get rich scheme. And the same thing with working out. They're looking for a way to lose weight without having to actually do anything or have any self-discipline. Because if you just I'm, – I'm amazed at the number of people who go to fast food frequently and then think that there's not going to be any consequences for that, especially if they're not working out, they're sitting in their office all day. Uh, that's another thing people can do just to lose a little bit of weight is get a standing desk. I, I can't remember where I read it, but they were talking about the number of the amount of calories you burn standing up compared to sitting down is actually huge because uh, if you're if you're standing if you're going to be in the office all day eight hours it adds up. I'm not sure, but that's just doing one thing. So guys, standing desks, blending, and working out at home. Could we get any more gay? <laughs> Could we get any more old? God, this isn't the geriatric podcast. This isn't your grandma. You know, you should eat more plums. Yeah, then, good then, you can go out, then you can go outside and, and during the summer season and wear swim shorts or whatever and not like feel embarrassed. Uh, like half the other people are. Alas, <laughs> most people don't feel embarrassed anymore. Okay, well, that's another problem. They don't have to care. It's almost like what uh, Earl Goodman said from the movie Dodgeball. You have to hate yourself enough to want to change something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, you, the whole, the whole self-esteem movement. We're like, we're like, I'm awesome no matter what. Holy shit. What, what is that, like, fit at any size? Or what was the fucking uh, meme that was going around? Like, they have like, 350. Beauty has no size or beauty has no number or something like that. <laughs> that like, I, I watched a video the other day about how this, the whole self-esteem movement that started in the 80s or the 90s was based on pseudoscience. Some guy just made up his Sorry. own numbers 
and then, you know, to, to sell his idea of self-esteem. And then suddenly that's how we created this generation of monsters. Like right after he made the whole self-esteem movement, a popular thing, you could see the chart of narcissistic traits start to shoot up. And so of course you get people who think, well, I'm so fucking awesome that even if I'm morbidly obese, not only am I gorgeous, everyone else should praise me and pay my health bills as opposed to, yeah, having that little bit of self-loathing that makes you think I actually have to like contribute something and look like a human being for other people to like me. I'm not just intrinsically awesome. You guys well, remember I- uh, emotional intelligence when that came out a couple of years <laughs> yeah. ago? Oh, oh yeah. my God. It's, and, and honestly, I, I've said it before, but my next step, you know, after everything runs out here is I'm selling lies to women. That's my next step. <laughs> no, I, 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 I want to collaborate on this because I, I, I think I have some, I mean, I'm, believe it or not, people, I mean, I don't come across it this way in, in Aaron's podcast because it's his show, not mine, but I'm even more Machiavellian than Aaron is. Um, so we need to collaborate on that. <laughs> I, I'd be impressed if you're Machiavellian than me. Now, now I'm really curious. Um, no, I have. Well, I can't I have, talk about this like in a public setting because you know the statute of limitations and some. Anyway, I won't. Well, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to give even the hints of the ideas. But uh, what I've wanted to do is sit down and think of human nature, particularly in what motivates them in terms of sex, vice, emotions, feelings, and then just come up with the most fantastic of lies, like you know maybe the top three big lies, like get rich quick take this pill and everything's going to be all right. You're beautiful no matter what. I mean, somewhere in there, there's a formula or a logic. And uh, Michael Kingswood kind of knows one of my projects because I told him about a Harlequin romance novel I'm going to write, and he he, he got a kick out of it. Um, Dude, but, uh, I would actually pay real money to read a romance novel that you wrote. That would be fucking hysterical. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I'll let you know when it comes out, but you can't let it know that it's come out by me because uh, – I, I won't give away your nom de plume. Yeah, my nom de plume is going to be a woman. So, and- yeah, are you going to hire a, a young 20-something to pretend to be the author? Basically promote the book. No, just for the cover photo. Like, the, 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 No, yeah, there'll be in the jacket, there'll be a picture of the author. It'll be named, you know, I don't know, something like – Carrie Laren. Carrie yeah. Laren. Yeah, that won't get figured Very out in a half rare. a second. <laughs> no, I, I will. Um, I'm going to find a, you know, a, a volunteer. Uh, we'll probably have to do makeup because I don't want the person getting identified. And then they'd say, hey, you're a model. You, you got paid. You're not the real writer. Uh, but it will be a woman and there'll be some tragic story about how I'm a strong, independent woman. And I didn't need no man fish bicycle. And I'm a single mom and I have my degree in in uh, taking care of other women's children, masters. Uh, but yeah, it'll it's going to play it by the script. It's going to touch every key. The only thing I really don't like about this is if I'm going to do a good job of it, I got to start reading websites like Exo Jane. I actually have to read Harlequin romance novels. I have to watch the Hallmark Channel, and um, and yeah, but it it's almost like I don't care if I make that much money on it as long as I mislead millions of women to believe the same crap Oprah did and I ruined their lives as they vote against my best self-interest and freedom. So it's kind of a revenge element. It's like, well, I can't change your vote, but by <laughs> God, I could sure fuck up your old life and make sure you're an old spinster hag by the time you're 62. Is I'm having a-, a flashback to when Aaron convinced that grocery bagger to get a PhD in acting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
It's all about like shortcuts, that. right? I mean, you guys have talked about it's all about shortcuts. That's the that's the best way to sell something is that it's a shortcut. You don't need to do any work. It's time saving, right? I mean, how much? I mean, Aaron, you know, ever since we've grown up, everything was supposed to save you time, and you just fill your time with more shit. So nothing ever really saves you time. You're just looking for that shortcut. You're looking for that easy fix. You're looking for that easy answer. And back to the weight thing. Have you guys seen uh, cool sculpting? Have you seen the commercials for cool sculpting? That you can no. freeze your fat and <laughs> what? it ejects. Yeah, you, you freeze. They put something on you, some wand, that instead of <laughs> ultrasound like heats you up, this thing must freeze you on the inside somehow. And it freezes your fat. And I suppose you just shit it out somehow. <laughs> I'm not a doctor, but I think there's some issues with that. I don't know. I would think so. Yeah, exactly. You, you really want to be? It's like the people. Hang on, the, hang on. Frozen this, liposuction. I mean, yeah, it's called cool sculpting. It's yeah, it's not liposuction. You don't have to cut into the person. Well, how um, the hell do you get it out? It freezes the fat cells somehow. I don't know if the freezing temperature of a fat cell is different than the rest of your body, and it kills it. It basically kills your fat cells. With a, a you know a, a very directed freeze beam, I don't know, Mister. Well, yeah, but it's still dangerous. But what you can yeah. do it the old-fashioned way by actually exercising, going on a hike, and not eating McDonald's. Oh, no one's going to pay money to have you tell them that, man. No, <laughs> getting rid of fat, getting rid of fat cells has got to be. It's not your 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 body has the same amount of fat cells whether you're thin or fat. It's just if you're fat, your your fat cells are swollen with, I don't know, whatever the fat, fat cells swell yeah, up. they're all trying to get rid of it by playing Mr. Freeze. So, yeah, so basically, exactly. basically if, if you freeze your fat cells and then you go on not working out and eating shit, you're just going to wind up with a balloon head. <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 I'm sure they could wand your face. So when you take a dump, does it like, come out like ice cubes or something? <laughs> it's crazy though but i mean that's that's what the extent that people go to you know the lifestyle lift thing the cool sculpting thing and even stapling stomachs i'm just like what if there ever came a time where you really needed to eat a lot of food to survive you know like say you that's why your fat cells exist is so you store energy so that in times of you know starvation or whatever you're able to survive so all these people that are getting their stomachs stapled they're they're kind of they're kind of again betting on the future that you know happy days are never going to go go away. You're always going to have it's just going to be endless streams of gravy into well, the future. Well, I bought a bunch of Bitcoin. That's never going to happen to me. <laughs> well, Dude, it, to play devil's advocate, the uh, even in in super crashes of the past, like all the Roman Empire and all that sort of thing. I mean, technology remained. Well, they did this some tech, but. The work, okay. I guess you can see a way where the entire civilization you could see all kinds of ways for all kinds of uh, ways for civilization to collapse completely. But uh, so, okay, yeah, I got you there. But again, to be a devil's advocate, there are there are some people out there who you know you can call them weak or you know whatever have issues or whether it be deep psychological issues or whatever, where, you know, they've tried and tried and tried. And that stomach stable thing is the only thing that has worked for them to avoid killing themselves 
Right. The other way, right? I mean. Oh yeah. Well, you're talking about like the guys that like people like yeah for like five or six hundred pounds. Like there's not you yeah. know obviously yeah. That's then it's like nice. a life or death situation. It's like you either get your stomach stapled or you'd be dead in six months. Right. Yeah. That's different. Yep. I, that's a health reason. That's not you know to to look thin and to look better. And yeah, besides, that's, what that's happens? Vanity. That that's like a like that's like getting you know uh, angioplasty or something. You know. Yeah. But what happens? I mean, if you still eat the same, if you got cool sculpted and you got all your fat cells frozen and they're gone or whatever, if you keep on eating the way you're eating, where does all that energy go? Has anybody liver. figured that out? Fatty liver. <laughs> yeah, or something. Yeah, your organs just swell up. Uh, yeah, but mean, isn't that the reason that, like, one of the reasons, like, fast food is bad for you is because it doesn't have any nutrients in it? Like, I'm sure everybody here has done the thing where you went to the McDonald's or the Burger King or something like that. And a lot of, a lot of times that food will taste good initially when you eat it, but then you feel like shit for the rest of the day. It's like, it like, it strips out the nutrients out of your body. Yeah. Well, I, I, I actually haven't eaten fast food since I was 19 and I worked at a Wendy's and I saw exactly how gross it is. Like actually as bad as it is for you on a nutritional level, the nutrients in it are the least of your problems. Good to know. Like you're you're definitely eating whatever was on the floor in the cooler because the likelihood that somebody making minimum wage, drunk on drugs or hungover, accidentally dumped a whole tray of tomatoes on the floor and then was too scared to tell anybody, so they just dumped them back in the pan and put them on all the food. Pretty high. We should do a shout out in the chat here to this Aaron Torres guy. He says uh, he's lost over 150 pounds. Um, and he did it, you know, he trained his ass off the last two years, but one of his friends wants to do a stomach staple cause he's lazy. So good for Aaron. <laughs> oh no. For, yeah. You know, Aaron, Aaron, Aaron right Torres. Great job, buddy. Great fucking job. Seriously. That, that's, him. that's something you should be proud of. Well, what done. else, uh, John, what else we got in the chat room going on there? All right. Let me, let me, uh, let me scroll a bit. You guys keep talking. I'll see if I can find some good stuff on there. Um, I like uh, somebody, somebody, actually, someone actually called Aaron a boomer. <laughs> A boomer. Yeah, they said you start. You sound like a boomer. You're starting to sound like an old man. I, well, that's because I'm just getting so pissed off at the young kids nowadays. Yeah, but boomers don't Get sound like old people. <laughs> Get off my lawn. You know, I've, I've, I've noticed, though, that's becoming a general insult. Like, even if you're clearly Gen X, if, if you're doing something that just they don't like and it's not cool and, like, I don't like being yelled at because I'm a millennial. You're a boomer. Like, that's, that's, a, that's a new part of the uh, lexicon now is just to call somebody a boomer. Well, if they weren't the acting like such an ass generation, nobody would make fun of them. But my God, <laughs> they're just so fucking make funnable. <laughs> they, got, they got, they got fucking safe rooms and they, 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 they're not even the cool punk rocks who might've actually been able to get in a fight back in the eighties. They shave their heads. They put ear gauges in. They look like utter shit. They champion and celebrate not even mediocrity, but inferiority. They always try to go down. Who's the most oppressed, retarded piece of shit. Oh, look at me. I won the El Crapo Olympics for being the crappiest person ever. And then we're supposed to like, what, what, what? Uh, we're not supposed to make fun of them. Uh, yeah, I, I was I was working today. I work from home, but I decided to get out and go to a cafe. And there's this shitty cafe up my street because I live in a hippie neighborhood. These two women were sitting there bitching because someone they knew was talking about how open they feel to gay and lesbian people. And you are really loved. Now, you would think that they would see this as a positive thing. 
but they started picking apart this person's language. Like, can you believe he just said gay and lesbian? Like, I just don't feel included because yeah, that, that. By and what's, what's scary is like you think, nah, this can't exist that much out there, and then you see them like yeah. fucking zombies. They're all over the place, and it's just. Yeah, it, and it's not because I'm an old man and her, dang it, day, day, day. It's like, no, if you don't change your act as a generation soon, we're all going to die. And I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to get my fucking social security check. You know, the Chinese better okay, be really fucking boomer. corrupt and poor. Classic boomer talk just now. It's not <laughs> classic. Not getting your social security check. Well, that's boomer talk. Yeah, yeah that no. is boomer talk. Yeah, but, no, I'm almost sure that social security does collapse just to fuck the boomers. But <laughs> exactly, it needs to happen sooner rather than later. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be a classic situation. Is where you, if you want to boil down a lot of the boomer mentality on a lot of stuff, it's don't rock the boat until I cash out my my. 401k or whatever retirement thing and i get my social security so whatever you guys need to do to keep the economy going on its trajectory i know it's screwed up we know it's not sustainable we know it's going to screw you guys over but don't do anything until we get out of it what's going to end up happening is there's going to be a whole new generation but while they're trying to cash out on these social security checks they're going to just default or or dissolve social security entirely because they don't care. There's no continuity. They don't just print off more money. <laughs> no, housing no, prices no. will go up. They're going to just say, "Yeah, we're not. We're going to stick you all in government homes, or 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 when they go to confiscate the private wealth to pay off the debts." Well, they won't um, be able to go confiscate baby boomer homes because every one of those fucktards have reverse mortgages. Alex Trebek. Exactly. Alex Trebek <laughs> said that I could get a reverse mortgage. You exactly. kids don't need an inheritance, right? Ooh, dang diggly. I got my lifestyle lift and my reverse mortgage. Ah, it's a happy yeah, days are here again. I'm going to be a hot 70-year-old great-grandma. You yeah. youngsters in your bad financial ways, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't think the boomers have never wanted to be old. I, I disagree with the whole well, idea that boomers are like old people. When you look at ARP, well, I'm sure if you look at the, the covers of ARP magazine, they're, it's like Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, I'm cool rock star. And, 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 you know, you see all the commercials with them riding their bikes through the, through the national parks in Utah, you know, and, and it's just like, you never have to grow up. If you're a boomer, you've oh, yeah. never had to grow up. And, and I, now they just want to get out of it dead. Most of the time it's like, ah, if I could just get out of this alive, Oh, I'll be, I'll thank my lucky stars. No, the boomers want to get out of this dead. They want to, they want to all be dead and gone. They have taken all the productivity, all of the hard work of the past of their parents' generation, the greatest generation. They took all of, all of that, that asset that they, they were given to take care of. They've used it all up and they've used up all future productivity too. I mean, they, they not only just completely fucked up the past, but they fucked up the future. One single generation. And it's also that they never had to grow up. Yeah. I got I got to agree with everything you said. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I am going to charter <clears throat> Gen X with one major sin, though, because I like to be intellectually honest. It's not what? just like, fuck the boomers and fuck millennials. And yeah, Gen X rocks because Gen X sucks. Um, what, what hey, Gen X I'm sorry. I, I, I got a bail. I've, we just had a crisis happening here. All so right. I'll roll out. Uh <laughs> Yeah, all right, take care. Take care, man. Everything's okay. Let us know. <laughs> See you, Michael. Yeah, it's all good. Take care. All right. Um, and that is we are fully responsible for the social justice warriors. And maybe not us personally, but the 
academics who, when we went to college 20 years ago and we knew them, they were like, remember the show fame? Yeah, I was a little, but that, well, that's when we were like little kids though. That's when we were little kids, but they all thought they were really intellectual and they're very smart and they were all going to be actors. And well, those assholes went on to become professors. And then for the past 20 years, it started happening. I'm sure the baby boomers planted the seeds with diversity and, um, um, what's it called? Environmentalism and all that. Well, now you could go major in that shit. And now they've co-opted and taken over, uh, corporate America. And when you look at CSR departments, you look at who's bending over backwards in terms of corporate leaders and academic leaders who is champ, who are diversity experts or sensitivity counselors who advocates for safe rooms. It is squarely Gen X baby boomer. I'm sorry, Gen X professors and business leaders, pretty much scam artists, not real business leaders. that are the ones that are at the forefront of this. And they're uh, yeah. the ones that allowed social justice warriors to form. Yeah. So aren't they promoted by boomers? <laughs> Weren't they? They got the jobs because boomers hired them. Uh, yeah. So they continued the legacy of the boomers. True. But no, you want to Anne was going to say something. Anne. Go ahead, Anne. Uh, I, I, I kind of got to see this happen at my first newspaper job in 1992. I was I I went to Madison and straight away got a job at the Daily Cardinal, which was well, I think now it's conservative, which is hilarious because the school had to take it over and pay their bills. But they were an independently owned, really just radical leftist newspaper, and everyone there was taking the the um, the, the the sort of ideas of the baby boomers about you know privilege and and the the whole Foucault shit and. I, I, I actually got to watch it take form. And what happened was at that age, everybody wants to be the most radical, right? Like if you're, if you're in a punk rock band, you got to be the loudest. If you're wearing clothes, you got to have the weirdest clothes. And these people took these ideas at that age where you're just completely run on fucking hormones and had this contest to see who could take these ideas the farthest. And I kind of stepped back from it, and I was like, "Whoa, you guys, this doesn't actually jive with reality." My my big wake up call was when somebody told me um, she was she was she was this rich girl from the East Coast whose parents owned like half of Vermont or something, and she told me um, that she wished she could go home with me for Christmas because she'd always wanted to see a white trash Christmas. And this, oh. girl, yeah. Yeah, and this girl is a self-avowed communist, and I'm looking at her like, these people are, yeah, like, hey, you're such a bitch, I don't even know what to say to that, because I'm a nice Midwestern girl, and people don't say shit like that, because otherwise they wind up chopped up in somebody's fucking freezer, but B, like, your supposed political convictions are just absolute bullshit. Like, you're Proletariat Christmas? Is that what you meant? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So I kind of just stepped back and, you know, made my paycheck that I had to make, but I was watching these people just race to see who could take these bullshit ideas the farthest. And it's kind of understandable because they're young and they're hormonal. And like I said, they want to see who can be the most extreme, but they created this stew of crazy adolescent extremist ideas that they ran with for life because they patterned themselves after the baby boomers who never grew up. I, I got to say that um, on top of what Anne was just saying, one of the problems that we've had that gave rise to the social justice worries is that 
the generations that were raising the ones up and coming about in high school and about to go to college, they did not exercise the same uh, resistance to what was going on in the universities that they do with, say, the Second Amendment. I mean, anytime there's any proposal that deals with gun control, there's a, an immediate reaction. You have the NRA, you've got gunners, owners of a, uh, gun owners of America, um, and all these other different organizations. Whereas, look at what they tolerate in colleges where they send their kids out there and their daughters and their sons to pay tens of thousands of dollars a year for them to learn this stuff. And they just kind of shrug their shoulders. And so if they were completely intolerant of any of these ideas being taught to their kids and yanked them out of universities, it would, it would have ended from the beginning, but they didn't for whatever reason. It's like, it's like as Americans, we have this very weird uh, psychological and cultural identity with firearms where the moment people talk about, any kind of gun control, we immediately think of totalitarianism. We think of, uh, you know, the cattle cars or whatever. But then they think, oh, there's nothing wrong with sending my daughter out to a college where she's going to be taught, um, you know, all sorts of horrible stuff about me, her father, and I'm going to be doling out tens of thousands of dollars of my money for her to learn this. Well, yeah. I, I agree with that point, but isn't part of the answer to that? I mean, it is a very powerful point, and I never really thought about that because you're right. The, that is one thing that uh, one thing you'll get baby boomers off their fat asses to get upset about is, uh, is protecting the Second Amendment. But isn't it like the the off to college thing? Like that's very like um, Anne can help me out with the words here. Is that kind of a very ethereal uh, kind of? Uh, it's a that's harder concept. Yeah, it's a, it, I mean, it's a very power. It's all about narratives, and the the gun rights people have a very powerful narrative because that's how we we broke away and became our own nation was because we had guns, and so that's part of the American psyche and 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 identity. Whereas with the college thing, yeah, there's such a strong narrative of this is the path to success. This is how we became successful as your parents. We went to college. This is what upper class, this is what, you know, people of the middle and upper class do. And only people who do bum jobs don't go to college. And so right. there's a lot of societal and cultural pressures, but the, it's just, it's what's crazy is you have, as we've said before, you have to be living in a cave in the Himalayas to not know what's going on in these colleges and for, and for these parents to realize the, when they went to college, things were very different. And a lot of them have admitted that to me. They go, well, that's not the what I how it was when we were going to college. And I go, then, and I'm thinking, I didn't say it because I'm just not going to have that argument. But why are you sending your kids to college or you're encouraging your high school kid to go to college? Tell them to go to a trade school or at least tell them to go to a, a university where you vetted it and you know that they're not going to listen to this garbage. And do you not hear what they're saying when they're coming back and you wonder why they they suddenly have gone very radical on all sorts of views? It's what here's what's crazy. They'll fight the government to protect their right to keep and bear arms and all that stuff, but then they'll send out their kids to be taught by people who hate their gun rights and pay those people to do that. Well, wasn't but the whole college thing uh, that was really related to the Vietnam War for the for the boomer generation in that if you were going to college, you you couldn't get drafted. And so all the college people got to go to school and all the, quote, non-college material people, which is bullshit. They're the ones that got sent into the meat grinder, meat grinder of uh, Vietnam. And I think that sort of, I don't know right. if it scarred them or what, that you, if you're going to be somebody, you got to go to college. Otherwise, the government's just going to send you to go die in some war. Well, well here's where here's where the boomers now take responsibility once again. It's Gen X that I think bears full responsibility for allowing social justice warriors to come in. But DJ made a good point. I even wrote an article about, I think last week about how conservative fathers have failed America, where 
you baby boomers didn't know that sending your kids and crippling them with financial debt, to, especially the girls, where you send these girls to be brainwashed to hate men and to major in this worthless shit and to believe this crap and you let your daughter. I mean, I was listening. Uh, who was I listening to? They're talking about high school kids now that have tattoos. And, <laughs> and it's like, you know, OK, yeah, I'm sure there are some Gen X parents that have high school kids, but we're still talking younger uh, my mother would have literally kicked me out of the house for real if I yeah. had gotten a tattoo. I mean, I, I don't and I'm know a how. Guy. Many, yeah, yeah. It's the the changes, especially. Um, and uh, John lives on in the same area as me, and it's epidemic. And if there's any young ladies listening, you will have an in, insane competitive edge over your female peers if you do not get a tattoo. That's all. There, you, there's no nobody is going to point out the fact that you don't have a tattoo as a downside or or something to hold against you when you're on a date you know oh that girl was great really cute but she didn't have a tat on her back or or worse d girls do not get a tattoo on your chest oh my god that, <laughs> oh, makes, yeah. my, right. that makes my dick shrink like a frightened turtle <laughs> <laughs> but uh going back to the going back to the college thing um the the problem is is that these boomer or just parents it's a weird combination of they know what's going on, but they also don't keep track of what's going on. So they, or they assume, Oh, my kids wouldn't believe that garbage. My, my kids are above that. My daughter certainly wouldn't believe that stuff. She knows I'm a good dad and all that or whatever, but they, I, I don't know. It's almost like a self-denial because here, here's the thing. And this goes back to a lot of actions, a human action that can be explained by this. They know that if they don't send their daughter to college, then what do they do? What, where does she go? What does she do? And then it's also about being able to brag about your kids with your butt, with your, with at social gatherings. You know, everybody's got a drink in hand. Oh, what's your kid doing? And they're all like, oh, my kid's going to college and he's going to this prestigious college. You know, he's going to be indebted for the rest of his life, but we don't have to talk about that. And it's not our problem. We get to brag. Meanwhile, there's the daughter that's not going to college. She's maybe doing a trade school or she's, you know, a little bit more traditional and she's doing or whatever, but it's, it's almost like that's what drives a lot of what parents tell their kids is I want to be able to brag about you in front of my friends. It's a shortcut again. It's a shortcut to, to pre prestige. Maybe like I did a good job raising my kid because uh, I'm sending my kid to college rather than my kid is a good person is, you know, well-adjusted uh, understands reality makes their own decisions, you know, has their, has their own mind, isn't programmable, you know. <laughs> Speaking of not having a mind, do you guys want to hear some stats on tattoos? Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I do want to hear this, actually. Okay, right, let, okay. Let, 70 and older, uh, which may be young or silent generation, guess what percent of the silent generation or older have tattoos? I don't know. How many are sailors? <laughs> yeah, military, <laughs> yeah, right. 10%. Baby boomers, guess what percent? 25. 13. Oh. Gen X, guess what percent? 60. No, nope. 36. 40. Here's millennials, age 18 to 35. 45. 47. Holy oh. shit. Half, half those little pieces of shit have marred themselves. <laughs> you know, as I was saying with a with a pal of mine, we were talking about tattoos, and it's thinking, yeah, if you when they say how many people have tattoos, yeah, if you were at Okinawa or Iwo Jima and you've got a tattoo of your of your buddy um, on your arm because he you know he didn't come back, yeah, you're not going to regret that at age eighty, 
right? It might actually seem like a cool story when you're in the bar and people are asking you what the, that uh, faded tattoo is on your arm. And you're like, yeah, that's my buddy. He died. You know, he's BAR guy. He was in Okinawa or whatever. People think that's cool. But you get these stupid tattoos of, of like butterflies on your arm that look ugly when you're in your 50s. And or song not- lyrics. Yeah, or song lyrics or, or this random Chinese stuff that you don't even know what it says, but everybody told you you had to get it. But I think a part of going back to the whole college thing, I think the reason that another reason is that people are afraid of doing things differently because then everybody around them will perceive that as morally judging their choices. I, I see that a lot mm-hmm. in life where if you are different, people immediately see that as a threat. I, like, do we ever wonder why these these survivalists or whoever they are that go out into the middle of nowhere to just be left alone and wait for the apocalypse? Like, why everybody is obsessed occasionally like the government gets concerned about it's because they're just they're doing things differently you know you just if you never bothered them you wouldn't have any problems because they're just weird and just leave them alone but everybody freaks out when they see somebody doing anything differently because it represents a threat to the herd mentality that enables yeah yeah the herd realizes oh what if other people go out and do that what if other people don't do that stuff so I mean, think about if, and especially with something that's permanent like that, let's imagine you're a a 22 year old girl and every girl around you has these tattoos and you choose not to get one. And they're going to, you think you're better than us. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to instinctively (laughs) know that you're going to, the, the girl is going to have a competitive edge when it comes to getting a guy for maybe like, you know, later on, like husband material. So of course they're going to, they're going to pressure her, um, at some party or whenever they're at the bar, or whatever, to get a tattoo because they, if she doesn't, that's a problem for them because she's the outlier. Nietzsche talks about this in Will to Power. I'm I'm getting through it slowly. It's a very challenging read, but that was one of the things I just read here recently was how the herd um, sort of rejects the standouts. That's it. The 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 rare people, the rare kind of gifts, they the herd will reject because it 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 the herd wants to normalize their mediocrity and they don't like to see something different and better and can i ask you a question about that the herd thing because i remember reading this in evolutionary psychology and i remember it was a an interview it came up like an interview i did if you guys are interested you can check out my channel i interviewed blind in the belly of the beast and she talked about how the the going back to the herd mentality how for women it is more important uh to be or, or more dangerous, for example, to to leave the herd to stand out than it is for men. So, like for example, like men who you know make their own mark, you know, like it, to some extent that that's encouraged. Like a guy who goes out and you know does shit that's no, never been done before, like the first guy to climb Mount Everest or Shackleton to to go to the South Pole or or whatever, or you know set foot on the moon. But for women, and I, I want you to speak to this. Is it true that women are that they really don't like standouts. Have you noticed that at all? Uh, I guess that would be a flatter, self-flattering way for me to explain why other women don't seem to feel comfortable around me. But, <laughs> <laughs> that's, but maybe that's, that's just because of my reputation for committing acid attacks. I don't know. <laughs> Uh oh. Well, do you agree, disagree, or you're not sure? I, mean, you... I, 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 I would tend to agree. Yeah. Um, All right. Yeah, guy, guys, guys tend to admire each other for being different. Women tend to be a little bit like, well, she's a little, she's a bitch. Uh. 
I but if you don't argue. watch the local sports game, the guys, the herd will go, what? You don't watch the yeah, sports yeah. ball? What, guys what, what, the what same. are you, gay? Yeah, but yeah, fuck guys. that. Like, I mean, I know like a lot of the respect I get because people would say, well, yeah, Steele, he marches to the beat of his own drum and you don't like it. Well, he'll meet you in the alley and you can settle this like men. And people kind of know that about me. I believe there's a, there's a race to the bottom of both the men and the women today. Again, millennials. Right. I'm an old angry man. Uh, but <laughs> I think it's more pronounced in women and I, it's just what I've observed, but there is like this guys don't tell each other, you know, DT, you're just amazing and beautiful. And Sean, you are, oh, you're so pretty and you're so, no, we're kind of like, Hey DT, you're a little fat when you're going to work out. Yeah. Uh, yeah but I think that that's, that, that hang show. on TJ. I know you're very wise at 30. Let me finish. My- <laughs> right. He's got to insult you now too. Come on. Right. And TJ, I, you have the most amazing young shiny pubes for a young man ever. <laughs> Guys don't do that shit because I still think programmed into us is a thing, but then the girls are all about like, you're amazing and beautiful. When you look at these women and you say and observe and realize there is nothing objectifiably amazing or wonderful about them. Matter of fact, they're not only common, but they're starting to become inferior. And I'm wondering, since to be beautiful or to be excellent or to be strong or to be pretty or anything requiring excellence, you once again have this race to the bottom where it's like, who is the most handicapped or oppressed or whatever else instead? And um, I think men as a response, I, I God almighty, I don't know how young men are even incentivized to go to the gym anymore in the daytime. When I look, I mean, like, what? why do I, you can't even get an erection looking at women your own generation. Why the fuck would you go to the gym? I understand how men in a responsive effort don't have any motivation to play video games, stay indoors, don't socialize, don't ask out girls. But um, that is the the chicken before the eggs where it, unless there's beauty, unless there's women to fight over, uh, men will just shut down. Our batteries will drain. We'll be like, yeah, okay, I'll just uh, not do anything. But I, I don't know what happened where I, maybe it was – elderly women like grandma would pull you over and give you the facts of life. Or your mom would give you this facts of like, like, yeah, you can't get fat. You have to stay pretty men need sex. They need to be taken care of that. That just must be wiped out and gone. Matter of fact, it, it probably no, most certainly is. Cause now we tell them men are dirty for wanting to have sex. You don't mm-hmm. owe him anything. Um, you're not a sex, sex object. Physical beauty has no objective standards. Big is beautiful. You do whatever you want. And I think these girls are running with it. Because it takes no effort. It takes the least amount. So now you just tight yourself up. I have meaning and speciality. And you, you're fat and all your friends tell you you're amazing and beautiful. And now also it's probably been replaced with how much virtue signaling you can do. Uh, but it's just resulted in, in the lowest quality of Americans that have ever existed. True. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's really interesting, um, Aaron, you were pointing out about the just the lack of, I guess, mar- the whole marriage situation. Because I think that lack of signaling is a huge, has more of an impact than we really realize um, uh, in terms of motivating men to do stuff. You mean uh, like pretty girls or, or just well, looking I'm in just shape thinking, or flirting? Yeah. Imagine because <clears throat> a friend of mine, I was chatting about with him um, this the other day and he said, imagine a, a society in which men at age 20 were getting signals from girls their age 
that they were wanting to settle down and get married and have a family, how different would that cause men to behave at right. that age? Well, they would start, they would just be much more serious about life. They would be thinking, oh, I, I got to you know, support this family. So I got to get a job. It's got to be a good job and it's got to pay good money. And I got to make all these financial decisions. They start because they're being, it's signaling we're interested in responsibility or you, you know, taking responsibility or all that stuff. But without that there, it's very hard for a lot of ordinary men to be motivated to do other than the bare minimum. And so I, we, we talk about, for example, the, or not we, but there's this discussion about the amount of men in the United States who are not working right now and they're not looking for work. And I, is that the needs non-employed or yeah, education? Yeah. Or what, what I mean, it's that? the largest number. You guys know Chris Beckloff, right? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. You know, I love him. Um, uh, the number of, I, I, the percentage of men in this country who are not working or in the labor force, it's the highest it's ever been since World War II when a good chunk of the men were in the military because of conscription. And so I'm just wondering if that lack of a signal from, from the women in the generation have something to do with it on top of other stuff. I'm not saying that it's just one thing, but I'm just, I, I, we were, my friend and I were discussing how much differently just the whole society would be structured, how differently men would behave, how the, the mentality that people would have in terms of that. Well, not even, signal, not even there's no future. Of, not even this, the signal, if the signal was different, what if it wasn't active, clear, painfully obvious contempt and hatred for men? Right. I mean, yeah. it, there is, well, you talked about a, Cavell, you talked about Henry Cavell. I mean, this guy talk about going to the fucking gym. I mean, right. Superman, right. And he's saying shit. Uh, there's there's quote no future i mean the signal of i want to have kids and a family to a man is i've got a future i've got an ability to uh, i i can see a future here kids providing all that kind of stuff and when that's not there you don't see the future so everything's just the present then but if henry cavill like you talked about in your podcast cap i mean if he's mm -hmm. if he's saying this is what he's seeing that it's not worth the risk and then he gets savaged over speaking the truth I mean, it's this is just I, as I, if that changes. Yeah, could you imagine like being that rich, famous, good looking, and in shape? And you're, I mean, what the and being Henry Cavell and having all that, and he's he's having issues. The fuck well, does the average schmuck have to look forward to? Right. Well, yeah, that's exactly why everybody freaked out because they're thinking now all those guys who don't, you know, ordinary guys have a, a, a basically a, a defender or advocate. In Henry Cavill, they can, whenever somebody says you need to man up and you need to get married and you need to stop being afraid, and they can just say, Superman is freaked out. <laughs> right. the, the debate is over. <laughs> this discussion is over. Women have become kryptonite. Women have yeah. come, become <laughs> fucking kryptonite. <laughs> well, it's just nowadays, any like young teen, I mean, I think, I don't know if we fully understand the Pandora or just the, the curtain uh, pulling back. That he did on that because now people are thinking, and I think also for for the the girls and or the women are freaking out. They're thinking if he's freaking out, and I there's you know they understand that they're not going to marry a Hollywood celebrity, a lister guy, you know, six pack, six six feet tall, and, and six uh, uh, six figures more than that for him. They're thinking the guy that I expect to meet, if this guy's freaked out, he's going to be freaked out, and you know I you have this entire section or large percentage of women uh, in millennials who have never married. 
that's going to cause a panic. And Cappy, I've been talking about this with uh, on your, we talked about this on your podcast a couple months ago about a panic in the marriage market. Something like that could cause it. Yeah. Where- you, I, I still, I, I know you th- we're going to explain your theory to uh, to the listening audience and I'll tell you why you're wrong. Okay. Care. So <laughs> to use the housing uh, bubble analogy where we have it, where the, uh, the, expectations the abbreviated of, version, please. Okay, the expectations of men uh, for men to get married are way too high. And the expectations of women to get married are, are way too low. And you have a huge pile of unmarried percentage of unmarried women um, nearing in their early thirties, late twenties. And the problem is there it's under the assumption that, they're going to be able to find a guy who meets certain requirements that are not realistic. Well, what will cause that bubble to burst is a panic in the market. Maybe if younger girls in their early 20s suddenly want to get married, they're going to be competing with those older women for the exact same type of guys. And so it'll cause them to uh, try and offer more than what they are now for men that they would have never maybe thought about before. I would like to believe it. And I'll, I'll tell you why. <laughs> If that happens, then that would be true. But you're presupposing that these millennial girls who are now in their 30s and upper 20s are even going to be capable, cognizant, and independent-minded enough to be aware of that happening. You're also assuming that they're capable of jettisoning and shocking off their brainwashing that they have received for their entire lives about the career being most important, their education being most important, them being most important, and not a single concept of introducing selflessness and altruism, which is what's required in a marriage, specifically putting the man first and wanting to know what the guy wants. I'm not saying rolling over on your back, but to have a successful marriage or a loving relationship, you must put the other person first. And I think after 30 years, 30 years, uh, it's not a simple matter of flipping a switch and the girls wake up and say, oh, you know, I've put all these things front and center. I never asked what men wanted. I think it is so core to their being and their brainwashing. Like it is hardwired. Their neurons their brain cells have been hardwired that they it's going to take at least a decade for them to wake up. And that decade would have to have just as much and as intense uh, counter brainwashing, deprogramming uh, that they received in college and media da, 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 for them to even wake up by the time they're 40 to oh, say, oh, oh, I have I, I have to worry about these younger 20 somethings coming in there. So I understand that your, your, your external shock that would be introduced to this was all of a sudden these like, you little Gen Z or chicky babes are like 20 or 19, whatever, starting to take away their man or dating these guys. I think they would completely be blind to it. They might have a twinkle in their brain saying, Hey, something's different here, but Oh, I got to get my master's degree now. I, I think that they're, I would hold that. I think they're more aware of that. And then we also have to cue in the herd mentality when enough start doing it. It's going to cause everybody to say, oh, this person's doing it or just you see a trend where the herd mentality takes over and suddenly everybody is starting to want to get married. Um, and we see this. Uh, I can't remember who was was, but they were talking about how if somebody gets married in a social group, the other women in the group will want to if a girl you know, talks about a marriage and also equally, if a, gr- a woman gets divorced, her the people in her social group, the women are also more likely to file for divorce. So it's a herd mentality thing that could cause this to happen. I'm not saying they're going to do it. They're not going to wake up one day and go, oh, 
I've been doing it all wrong. They're not, they're not going to have that self-introspection, but what they're going to do is they're going to see everybody else doing something and try and follow along. And then the natural, just the inevitable clicks in, they are competing with younger girls and the men are going to prefer the young girls. And then they're going to realize, Oh my gosh, uh, you know, I can't get it. I'm not getting guys older than me. And the guys my age are now going for girls younger. There's, they realize it's a music game of musical chairs. And then it's just being pragmatic. It's not even being ideological. Except they're going to spend a lot of time blaming it all on the patriarchy. (laughs) They're going to waste a lot of time going, well, this is just happening because men are, have been brainwashed to think that younger women are more attractive. We need to spend more time telling them the truth, which is that women with a master's degree are more attractive. Right. They can do that, but it's not going to change human, the, the behavior of the men. The only thing now, the alternative that I could see is instead of do, doing marriage, they try to con- concoct some sort of campaign that makes it, you know, they're not going to make it illegal for men to date younger, but they're going to, they're going to make it. They're going to try. I mean, there's, think about it in our society. There's a lot of things that are not illegal to do. You can still lose your job for it. You can still have huge social repercussions if you are doing something that is, that is considered and codified into our culture and society. And a lot of what we what stuff that'll get you fired for doing that's not even illegal or even unethical has been pronounced unacceptable by social justice people or, or for a feminist or whatever. So I see that becoming the, uh, a, a, a plausible alternative is they just make it so that you, it's a big problem. Um, well then let me, let me bring up Anne's point again. If, if you think that that much social ostracization and social power on part of the social justice warriors and feminists is possible. Don't you think you would just, they would browbeat then women who say, Oh, well, I kind of want to get married and then start calling them traitors or saying, you don't need no man. I mean, they're just going to double down on it and pull their feminine wild. Well, not wilds, but pull their backstabbing female tricks on their friends and make sure they don't get married. Right. I, it's, I mean, it's totally something that could happen or you could, I mean, there's all these different variables. There's, I'm not saying that it's going to happen. I'm saying, I don't think people are fully, I don't, it's just an interesting theory and it may not turn out exactly that way, but I see that being a likely outcome. Cause one of the things that we, we assume is that a lot of these women do not want to get married. And the fact of the matter is they do. It's just following, they got to follow the narrative, which is you delay marriage for as long as humanly possible. But uh, that's the other thing, going back to Henry Cavill, he, he um, highlighted the sole part of, of life and society and culture where men have all the power. And that's the ability to just check out of dating and romance and marriage. They cannot be compelled to enter into these or participate in these, um, social, cultural, and legal institutions. So um, that's a very powerful uh, capacity to choose on that. So unless they're going to force men to do something or force them to put them in a situation where they have, you know, for their own sperm donor or whatever. Well, I'm thinking more of, and I talked about this on my own podcast, if people want to go back a couple weeks ago, where you have the whole Me Too thing requires the man initiate with the woman, where she says he approached me and I felt uncomfortable. The a, a possibility, I don't know how it would look, but where Me Too could also apply to the woman approaching the man and saying, you know, he didn't respond. And that we could also see that with, say, if there was a panic in the marriage market, the women could change Me Too to be, I approached him for a date and he was awkward or mean or whatever. And then they throw it That's off. That's going to be one long hashtag. 
I approached him and he rejected me. No, no, no. They don't do that as a hashtag. That's their that's their argument. He made me. That was a joke, TJ. Right. Right. (laughs) I'm just saying that there's all these, and everybody says, "Oh, that couldn't happen. That's way too crazy." Okay, guys, look around you and say, "Does any of this seem plausible 20 years ago?" Oh no, no, no. Yeah, it's it it's enough to make me retire. I mean, I don't, I don't look. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't have. Uh, when, when I was talking earlier about people I knew working for radical newspapers in the 90s being as extreme as they could possibly be, I didn't, it, it seemed a little out there then, but I had no idea that the next generation, when they had their surge of hormones and their competition to be the most extreme, would take that and just go to a place that's a parody of itself without you even having to do a parody of it. Mm. Oh, well, I'm glad we solved this question then. Everything's taken care of. We, we once again solved the world's problem. The Me Too movement is over. Women will start dressing like classic 50s housewives. And then we'll the gym again. Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. Good men, good men will be a craze like beanie babies, right? Correct. <laughs> well, I, did, I just got to say something. I hope you guys are going to wrap it up because I'm going to have to check out in a second. But, yeah, I want you to check check the rest of the chat room there, John, and let us know what yeah, else we um, First off, one thing I did promise Atham uh, that I would ask TJ – he wants a recommendation of uh, for Hemingway. He's never read him before. Oh, um, you can start with The Sun Also Rises. Um, avoid to have and have not at all cost. Okay, fair enough. Um, what else we got, John? Uh, well, that's um, that's that's pretty much it. The guys there's are kind of talking of their own in chat. Uh, yeah, there's a good summary uh, by J.L. Stout. Aaron Clary is going to look at this comment section later and be like, "What the fuck are these people even talking about?" <laughs> yeah, they're they're in their own they're in their they're in their own uh, you know deep space. But that's good. <laughs> good. I mean, you had a lot of you got you got sixty three people listening, and you know they're all they're very active in there. Well, that no, I, I appreciate what you do, John, because like that way I don't have to go through the chat section later, and then we can have uh, more or less these people on the show, and, and if they have a point we can go ahead and make it in theory it's been a month already or next week it will be a month and google will get back to me again but i'm going to bank on that about as reliable as a girl who gave me her number and i've left five uh, voice messages in 1992 on her voicemail (laughs) (laughs) and just assume that's not going to happen um what else let me go take a look at my notes here uh i already told you about the stream labs uh, you, if you want to donate money, you certainly can through Streamlabs on the Clary podcast, which will be on Friday. Um, John, I'm sorry, I keep inviting you to have me trial run the Streamlabs thing. Um, did you start it yourself, just on your own? Have you have you learned how to just run a, a, a Streamlabs by yourself? Yeah, I got one up and running. I did a, a drunken in a drunken state, no less. But it didn't. I don't know. I fucked up because it didn't automatically save it to the YouTube server. Really? Okay. Yeah. So, and it was it was long too. When I was on there, and I was just taking random questions from the chat. And I didn't figure out how to you know work the monetization and the super chat thing. I didn't figure that. But it was just it was a fun experiment, especially when I was really drunk at like two thirty in the morning. Yeah. No, it's it's a slick operation, <clears throat> slick software. I just don't know how to get other people on. So let's maybe do that over the course of the week and try and get that on. Well, Forney actually told me he if we can get it because he's like fucking nine. 12 time zones away from me, but he promised he'd help me, but I don't know what that's going to work. But Well, he's also got to be up at the same time. So well, exactly. That's, that's, that's pretty busy too. Um, oh, for everyone in the chat room, if you would uh, kindly like the video, that would be great as well. And then I want to uh, thank Ted Haima for making a donation at the Patreon. He became the latest patron 
at my Patreon account. You can go there, patreon.com slash Aaron Clary. And remember, the main reason for donating at my Patreon is because it pisses off some peers and colleagues I have that think Patreon is dumb as hell. I also think Patreon is, I don't understand the business model because you don't get anything in exchange. But uh, I caught a lot of flack for having a Patreon account. So now that just makes me want to succeed at it more. But uh, more importantly, if you want to get something in exchange, go to my Amazon affiliate program. You can find that on captaincapitalism.blogspot.com. Look for the And, and when Aaron stops being lazy, he's actually going to put the link to his Amazon affiliate in this video. <laughs> Do I have, you know, they can go to Captain Capital. I put the YouTube videos up there. I, I'm still learning one at a time. I'm kind of managing this as we go. All right, I'll 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 put it up there. No, I won't. I'll go to Captain uh, Capital. Edit the description, Cap. Just edit the description. But I have you to leave the screen, and, we, and, and John's got to go. I have to go. Everyone's got to yeah, go. Yeah, we got to go. Um, All right. But I got, I, and stay on for a second because I got I to gotta tell you something really quick. Okay, I really got to go quick, but let's do it. All right. All right. Yeah, I'll do that. You, will you be around in half an hour? In half an hour? Um, can you talk to me while I'm working? Yeah, I can talk to you while you're working. Just get on your Skype in half an hour because I got a bell too. I, I'm – Five minutes over. You know what? You know what? We should talk more about going and having to go. Let's talk a little bit more. About <laughs> <laughs> All right. Jesus fucking Christ. And turn your Skype on in half an hour. I seriously got to go, guys. I loved talking website. to all of you. It was great. Aaron, thanks for having me on. Uh, to everybody in the John. chat, thank you so much. Peace out. Right, see Disasterfitness.com next. Good. Uh, DT. Happynihilist.net. Cool. I'll put a comment. I'll put a comment. I won't put it in the description. I'll no. put a comment on this video with the link. <laughs> All right, good. TJ. TJMartinell.com. All right, sounds good. I'll see you guys later. Awesome. Toodle.